0: is this thing on? Can you hear me?
1: Welcome to the Gravity Lift Podcast, a mostly entertaining and at times informative place where we get to chat about all the things we love.
0: Music and festival life, yoga and wellness, travel and adventure. We are your hosts, Jordan and Antonella.
1: Our guest today is Mark Martinez, a local DJ that you and I have really come to know and love.
0: Yeah, I'm always that one right in the f- the very front trying to watch all the things he's doing with those buttons and anticipating what he might be playing next. I get so excited.
1: He's definitely a wizard on the decks, but he's also a wizard behind the scenes as well.
0: Yeah, he's creating some magic. He's bringing together a lot of different people, giving opportunities, creating platforms, and instigating all sorts of awesome in this area and beyond, really.
1: He's definitely just making shit happen. Everywhere he goes, he leaves a wake of amazing things that have come and just giving, like you said, people opportunities to let their, their authentic selves shine.
0: Well, like you and I know that can be a lot (laughs) and there's a lot of pressure and a lot of work that comes with all of that. So it's cool to talk to him too about creating balance and, and the things that throw him, throw him for a loop basically and the things that he does to get back on track.
1: Yeah, I really look forward to a continued relationship with him because I think there's a lot of cool shit coming down the pipeline with Subset and the Instigators.
0: Yeah, I see some some good collabs.
1: All right, well, be sure to listen to this podcast all the way through because there's a bunch of juicy, amazing information about the man himself and the future of this scene. All right, welcome to the Gravity Lift Podcast. Today we have Mark Martinez. Hello, Mark. Hey guys, thanks we've, for having me. <laughs> we've got—is it Ellie? Yes. I always call you I, I never know if it's like L or Ellie. Uh, but we got we got Ellie side by here, but uh, no microphone on her. But if she needs to chime in at any time, we'll just have to.
0: you yell right in Mark's face, and it'll the microphone will catch it. <laughs> Perfect.
1: <laughs> so yeah, welcome to the studio thanks for having me this place is incredible thank you yeah. and welcome to the east side
2: you guys now live over here too yeah yeah we we've been talking about that we actually were talking about that on the way over here how much we really enjoy being on the east side and how much different it, it really is than being in seattle
0: are you guys getting teased at all we get teased all the time they're like you no. want us to go where <laughs> we have to go you guys live so far away and we're like yeah we come to you all the time yeah pretty
2: much 99 percent <laughs> of the time we're going that way
0: really not that far
2: we've been very selective about who we've had over so the people and actually i feel like the most people we've had over are people from out of town Mm. so to them it's no different really um but the people who do come on the
0: lake right yeah, yeah yeah
2: so when people come out they're they're excited for it
1: Yeah, it's an interesting change because we have talked about that many times how it would be awesome to have some sort of a condo or an apartment or something in downtown Seattle so you can, like, live there and, like, all right, I want to go out to a show that I'm playing. I can just hop in an Uber and I'm there in five minutes versus, like, all right, I got to drive 25 minutes there, 25 (laughs) minutes back. If I do decide to drink, I've got to, like wait it out or take an uber home which is like 50 60 bucks <laughs> yeah
2: see i mean the entire time that we've lived there i haven't drank so it never even really factored into my thought process but i can i can see why that would be a huge yeah. huge issue to have to think of
1: so post uh so at our wedding party that you played at i went to get you a drink and you just said red bull and i came back and i was like oh he's totally sober <laughs> and her and I both talked about it soon after that and there were a few other things and we haven't we haven't voiced this uh out into the social media oh my god yet. is
0: it time are I guess you doing so. it
1: but no well I mean not that <laughs> not that oh. but the just voicing that uh we're attempting a, a sober thing as well yeah um we've played with it at different times let's see what was it 2016 was it that I didn't smoke weed for an entire year that was um, a big deal
0: for him. That was Yeah.
1: Great. That's a lot. And so yeah. we've toyed with different things, and right now we're we're on the no-alcohol bandwagon. Um, it so feels
0: so much better. Yeah. Oh,
2: my goodness. I
1: Like, I have no desire to go
2: back at this point. Yeah. Uh, I'll be two years in, like, a month or two. Congrats. Congrats. And Like, at Burning Man, I shared a sip of champagne, a sip of wine here and there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, to celebrate the moment so I could, you know, join the people in that. But... And I have no desire to drink to get drunk anymore. I just don't.
1: Yeah, I'm starting to do hard cider because we live on an apple orchard. We have a bunch of apples that are recently ripe. And so um, I actually had a cider for our wedding. I made the cider for our wedding. It was awesome. Um, But so now, like, since I'm making it, I got to sample it. I got to try it. I got to make sure (laughs) things are good. I got to, like, test it and whatnot. So we're we're definitely not on that, like, um, addict train of, like, I can't have any alcohol. Right. But definitely we're pretty much canceling any alcohol other than like maybe a special occasion here or there
2: I've and never that's even. what's harder to explain to people who don't really understand that it can just be a choice mm-hmm. is when i first started or when i first stopped drinking is everyone just assumed i had a problem and i had to stop drinking and yeah i was drinking too much I just because just i never really thought about it I just, it was just an automatic thing i was throwing parties in new york for seven years every week you drink and as soon as i stopped You could tell whenever I had the conversations with people, it was very like, oh, okay. I'm like, no, it's not like that. I want to do more. I want to take on more projects. I want to be the best version of myself. And I can't do that if I'm battling hangovers every week, if my mind's always cloudy, spending all the money. It's just like there's a lot of negatives to drinking, just so many.
0: Yeah, I don't even think I've ever drank to get drunk i don't even even my life i don't even think when i was in high school that was ever my modality it was just more of the social thing and then it's what you do i like the flavor sometimes especially with certain foods but i just never feel good even if i only have a couple i just get a bit of a headache i feel all puffy and tired the next day and it's like i don't even know why i'm doing this (laughs) super easy for me to not have it the only challenge sometimes is jordan's parents are. are they co-owners or investors co-owners uh, yeah co-owners co-owners in a really good high-end wine label so that's a little tricky when they're like here's a eighty dollar bottle of wine that we're gonna crack open and it's like really delicious so yeah. the italian in me is like what are you doing <laughs> like yeah it's a little bit crazy but you know
1: yeah so you brought up new york and Mm -hmm. that's where you originally hail from were you born in new york so i was born in new jersey
2: but i left there when i was five uh and then down to louisiana for eight years uh northern virginia for high school west virginia for college and then moved to new york in 2010 so wow all all, all over the east yeah what's with the bouncing
0: around what do your parents do my mom
2: well i uh, grew up with my mom and Mm -hmm. she worked for exxon mobil so she was getting moved around a lot My dad worked for them too, but uh, my parents separated when I was two, and my dad moved even more frequently. He moved every two and a half years for like, I don't know, at least 15 years. He did like Texas, Virginia, Louisiana, or not Louisiana, uh, London, uh, back to uh, New Jersey,
1: and now he's retired in
2: Arizona, but he was all over the place. Wow!
1: Yeah. Did you get to travel to London at all to visit him when he was? Away? My sister and I spent some summers there when nice. he was there. That was really cool. So you've had a you've had a good travel around. And so, had you spent any time on the West Coast, or was this kind of just uh... before I came out here?
2: I hadn't really. I don't even know if I had visited California, but I was on tour in 2016 and kind of knew that I wanted to leave New York but I wasn't like actively like all right I need to figure out where I'm going or like I didn't have anywhere in mind but I was hitting a bunch of cities on that tour and it was kind of a good way for me to feel them out as soon as I landed in Seattle I swear as soon as I got off the plane I was like something feels right here I didn't know what it was was something feels different something feels right and within like four or five hours I had made the choice to move there nice like and I do that sometimes. I make a choice and I just go with it. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. always work out the best, but this one did for sure.
1: So what were you on tour for?
2: I was just a solo tour that I had patched together. The 2016 was the first time I officially played Holy Ship, so I, uh, me and my friend Dom, who was acting as my manager at the time, put together a tour to try to ride that wave and you know go with the you know just like with Holy Ship or Burning Man or anything you know for a few months after people were chasing that so it was called the recompression tour and Hmm. it was you know heavily focused on that and uh that was it was only a month or so but i packed in so many cities and it was it was insane and it was it was a lot but i found seattle from it so when you landed in seattle uh where did you play so this is actually the origin story of noise complaint yeah (laughs) too so when I was putting together that tour, Jonathan Katz was trying to find someone to book me and no one would book me because, you know, I'm not a name. I don't produce music. Did I didn't you guys really... meet on Holy Ship? Yeah. We'd known each other since all the way back in the day. Oh, nice. Um, and he was trying to find someone to book me and no one would. And so he hit up, I believe it was Fuad, and he was just like, you know what? I, I can't find anyone to book him. I'm just going to throw the show myself can you introduce me to a venue or something that I can try and throw this at? In Enter work, So work gave him the chance to let him throw the party, and we blew them away. I think we had over 200 through the door, and considering no one knew who the hell I was, <laughs> they were super impressed, and they were like, Jonathan, we want to work with you again. And I was like, Jonathan, if you can get them to give us a monthly party, I will like solidify dates for this move, and we will lock in the first edition of a party, a monthly party. That's
3: so dope. so people it.
2: doubting him and doubting me is the origin of noise complaint. If someone had just booked me, it never would have happened. Yeah. The noise
1: complaint never would have been born. Yeah. Cause as, as far as I knew you came out of nowhere and <laughs> yeah. the interesting part about it is you coming out of nowhere came at a time when I was just reintroducing myself into the scene. I had been a regular in the scene. And then um, before we started the podcast, you and I kind of talked about my origin story with Dave. And I kind of took a a year off um, in my own way and kind of stepped back. And then when I came back out, all of a sudden, there was this guy (laughs) named Subset. And I was like, who is this dude? I think I remember seeing you at Monkey Loft or something just being like, Okay, like that's my sound. Like, I like what he's bringing. Yeah. Which was a ton of fun.
0: And then we saw him at a noise complaint show. What show was that?
1: I don't know. we got some loud noises going on out here. Oh, what is that? <laughs> I don't know. The they're ceiling's about ar- to fall in. They're again. moving around the forklift and everything. Oh, well. Okay. Outside noises. Um, We're used I, to loud noises. I, <laughs>
0: I vaguely <laughs> yeah. remember him at the Monkey Loft show. I think there was a lot going on.
2: Which Monkey Loft show was it?
0: It was, it was a know. deck It was party. a daytime show. Yeah, you played. Was it
2: Noise Complaint First Anniversary with Wood Holly? Yes. I think it might have been, yeah. Yes, okay. it was. Because it's a like Think, yeah. yeah, that was the first time I played up. You're there. right. Good it was call.
0: it was that. And then you played uh in Kremwork a few weeks later. Um who what is it? Max's friend that was DJing um and he was like, Yeah, I hit him up.
1: Max's friend that was DJing. <laughs> oh, uh, you mean Connor's friend DJing? Oh, sorry, Connor. Uh, yeah, Croatia squad. Croatia squad uh. was
0: playing. You played after. Yeah. And I was like, who is this? <laughs> and he's like, remember we saw on the other... And I was like, no, I don't remember this. And I was paying attention for sure. I yeah. think I even went up behind you and was like, you were busy, but I was watching what <laughs> was <laughs> going on. I get very nosy.
1: I um yeah go for it what's up uh
0: pretty much the same thing happened to me when i first met him and um, it was i was running lights at q and he played the first low pass ever and i remember being really bored and like doing something on my phone and then he dropped my adidas and i looked up and i was like who the fuck is <laughs> that?
1: that's awesome yeah you and i remember being outside of q one night and uh jason Wu oh, was out right and do you remember when the there was a car that rolled up oh my on top God. of another yeah. car yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i got the picture of him
0: yes. dabbing yeah yes
1: so i was that dude that was out with you guys okay <laughs> that yeah. was our
0: first jason
1: was like have you ever yeah. met this yeah. guy and i was like no but i've seen you play and he's like yeah this is mark and that was the first time i knew your real name i'm I'd- really glad that that was our first like real interaction <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we're literally just outside a cute nightclub and this like crossover uh, SUV type vehicle was like driven up like it's right wheels were up on top of another car and it was like about to flip over just blocking the whole Pike and Broadway intersection it was
2: it was so good it was a tourist attraction for a few hours there
0: woo woo go dab go dab in front of it I'm gonna take your picture and we were like yes yes I like this moment it was beautiful yeah so that was our that was our introduction to Mr. Subset
1: yeah uh how'd you come up with that name where did that come from? A semi-unbelievable story. <laughs> uh, so I can tell
0: because somebody's already laughing over here in yeah. anticipation. She's ready.
2: So when I started DJing is after I had dropped out of college. Uh, and I was in college for computer engineering, computer science, and math. And my first DJ name was DJ Diego because the, uh, the bar that I – or the club that I had my first residence at – One of the bartenders, her daughter thought I looked like Diego from Dora the Explorer. definitely look like Diego (laughs) from Dora
0: the Explorer. As soon as you said Diego, I knew exactly uh, where I I was going. (laughs) Yeah, but you can't,
2: I couldn't really go forward with DJ Diego professionally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I took my calculus book, closed my eyes, opened it up to a random page and put my finger down. Wow. And I got subset.
1: I actually like it's such a good name that fits and it is, so yeah. well.
2: And the thing is back then I didn't really I didn't realize how good of a name it was and how well it would work with subs and playing sets, subwoofers just it's a, it's a, I got
1: re, you know the universe kind of gave the word or gave the name to me. I believe that. And as far as universe, I think you're definitely one of those people that has done a really good job of spreading positivity Um, and I think there's kind of a wave in our world at the moment especially in the dance music scene I think it's always kind of generated from that place of acceptance and understanding and believing that you know the universe in its own way is gonna make things work Um, how has that influenced you in kind of where you are now Well, I I wasn't always this uh, focus on
2: gratitude and personal growth. And I think a lot of it came from that. I used to be, not that I'm not sometimes still, but I used to be very wrapped up in my own self and my own story and, and just trying to do more just for my own experience. And once I realized that people were connecting with me and that people were looking to me as somewhat of a role model, it took a while to come to the realization, but I finally did that if I did anything with that attention and that platform other than trying to use it to lift up the community that's lifted me up to this point, it was just kind of selfish, you know? And so I've since then, and a lot of that actually came around the same time that I moved to Seattle and, you know, that was part of, this, of the kick towards sobriety. It's like, all right, I want to give back to this community as much as I can. Time to cut out the things that aren't serving that in any way shape or form drinking not helping (laughs) yeah like you can you can find ways that other things do help psychedelics marijuana all that those things help with anxiety opening your mind other ways alcohol did no good for me and was really just a crutch for my massive social anxiety which i still battle on the regular and it's funny because people see me as a very super massively social person I have the worst anxiety at all times. So busy, this <laughs> is so mean. bad. I
0: see it starting to turn in his head, and I'll just yeah. kind of grab his hand and be like, "Hey, you're good. This is good. It's all right." You know, Ellie does yeah. the same thing. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing how much you can kind of need someone else there, and that was, I guess. My crutch, like I said again, we talked about it earlier before this, but that was what Dave was for me. Is I had this other person on stage with me, and so if if shit hit the fan, I had someone else next to me that could help to like be like, dude, we're good, we're fucking good, don't yeah. worry about it. It's a lot when ha- it's all on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we had several of those instances. Like we would we had some big shows that we played where some shit went wrong. We were uh, opening for Above and Beyond in 2014 <sighs> at Showbox Soto, and were playing and like four songs in were we know we know how to open for above and beyond like i've seen above me on 25 times now like they were like our intro to everything and like at edc in 2010 dave and i saw him and i looked at him i was like dude someday we're gonna open for above and beyond and this was our like manifestation of making that happen we put together like the nastiest set list we were so ready for it three songs in there was this track that had a really big first drop not like really big but like really like synthy melodic first drop Mm -hmm. and then the second drop chilled right back out a lot and it was kind of this like ramp up the energy and then bring it back down and kind of like follow it for a while and uh no one told us what to expect anything and we get there and the first drop comes everyone's hands go up the strobe lights go off there's 1400 people in front of me and I literally like start crying I'm like oh my gosh this is the coolest experience of my entire (sighs) life like what is this within seconds max comes up uh and he's like dude you need to turn it way back like this is way (laughs) too much And he's like not from me but like above and beyond management it's like you need to chill it out and we were were wait were you direct direct support no okay so we were the third so we were the second slot so there's someone before us and then johnny monsoon was after us okay gotcha now we ended up talking to johnny later and johnny was like yeah they told me to just go lights out like super progressive super chilled out because they want everyone just chilled the whole time before (laughs) they go on and then it's just like massive but i was used to playing at foundation and i was playing a 10 to 11 o'clock set at foundation to like set them up the way i knew how to set them up and they were like nope and so in that moment i would have lost my shit i went from being on top of the world to like Oh no. oh no, what do I do? Like they The majority me. of songs Everybody are not going to work. Yeah. And so Dave just goes into go mode and he's got that Rolodex in his brain. And so he just like finds all these super chilled back progressive songs and we still played like one of my favorite sets ever because I had that person there that was like, dude, yeah. we, we got this. We're good. Like yeah. chill out.
2: And it's tough because even if you do have that Rolodex in your head of the other music, when you're caught up in that moment, it's just, it's
1: hard to think.
0: If the anxiety takes that, over, that yeah. was
1: that was me at my set at Q. Just like a couple little things happen, and she keeps getting on me because I'm I'm way too vocal about when things go wrong. She's really just hard let on himself. Go. Yeah. yeah, and so like when something comes in, my brain's just like flipping out about it. I'm like, oh no, oh no, mm-hmm. this happened, this happened, and it takes a while for me to get back. And the interesting thing is the way I have quelled that is alcohol. Yeah. You start out the night, yep. you're a little nervous. All right, fuck it, I'll take a shot. Like I'm way better now, chilled my nerves. I'm usually good to go. Um, and so it was, it was interesting not having that going into a show and having to like deal with something and then be like, all right, you're good.
2: It took me a long time to feel completely comfortable mm-hmm. DJing with no alcohol when I hadn't. Because yeah, you, it's just you get used to that little boost of confidence you have. It helps you shut out other things and just kind of focus on the music. I feel like. Yeah, I do have an issue with that whole thing that they do of bringing keeping the uh, keeping the energy down before headliners like that. I agree. I, I hate it. I don't yeah. like it at all. It's really or good keeping to keeping the volume down. I don't I don't like that. That
0: drives me crazy.
2: I only like keep the volume down if until the room fills up a bit right. because otherwise you're just blasting people and you need to have that ratio. But right. keeping it purposefully down, keeping bass cut sometimes, keeping everything mm-hmm. muted. It's like you know. Give people the best experience they can have for that whole time. And if your artist can't shine without that, you know, without those restrictions, fix your performance. Yeah,
0: I agree. (laughs) Because
2: you should still be able to smash it. Those people are there for you. They're excited to see you. But don't make them just like kind of like stand around for four hours. That's
1: that's not right. But. That helps me a lot. It's good yeah. for him to know that.
0: <laughs> I voiced that to him, but he's like, babe, babe, like, you don't, I, I'm not a DJ. I'm obviously very new to all, this whole environment. And so I think, you know, my opinions are good in some ways, but they're also very naive. And so he's like,
2: and again, sometimes that's good. Just yeah. like we were talking about production earlier, because you come from a different viewpoint with it and
1: that's needed because sometimes you just get caught up in the way things are.
0: Yeah. The rules.
1: I got, I got yeah. really caught up in rules when I started a foundation. It was like you play this way, yeah, and you open this way, and you set the tone, and you are this spot. If you and that was very much in a time where trance was popular. Trance was the thing, and it was it was written about in DJ Mag everywhere about how do you open up a night, and it was it was like the talked about thing when I first started DJing. Mm-hmm. It's like the classic kid who comes in and overplays his time slot. And that was the most taboo thing ever in like 2009, 2010 when I was first starting. And so that got really embedded in my head. And I was like, yeah. I have to stick to this. And I have played many sets over the years that were way too chilled back because I was nervous about overplaying my slot. And uh
0: well, yeah, if you get told to chill out, while well, you're opening for Above and Beyond. I'm sure that'll get into your head a little bit. <laughs> yeah. and you're like, I will never overplay my slot again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: See, the thing is that like at Basement Saturdays, which was my weekly party in New York City, I, there became a point where a lot of our regulars came for me and they didn't really know who the headliner was. They liked the headliners, but there were a lot of times someone would come up to me an hour into the show and be like, Hey, so who's who's playing tonight? I'm like, wow, you just made like a three hour one way trip to come to Basement tonight, and you have no idea who's playing. They're like, and a lot of people would be like, yeah, we know you're here, so we know no matter what, we'll at least have a couple hours of good music, and yeah. we'll get to see if people we like. And so I think that was where I started getting away from that opener headliner mentality. It was, and you know, it, headliners can be a letdown sometimes. And if these people traveled. You know, some of the, some of these kids were coming from Connecticut, coming from other places, doing weekly five, six hour round trips to come to basement. And if everything's focused towards that one hour, hour and a half of the headliner and the headliner shits the bed, mm-hmm. they've just wasted their entire night where it's like, all right, well, there's that hour and a half where we get to talk and do whatever, you know, drink, go outside, smoke. But they knew they had the trust that they were going to have a good time no matter what.
0: Well, think about the amount of shows that we've gone to where we had no intention to stay for more than ten minutes of the headliner. We, because we're like, we have to work tomorrow morning, but we're gonna go say hi to some friends. We're gonna see the openers, and then we'll see, we'll catch a couple songs of whoever's playing, and then and then we're gonna bounce. Like that would suck if everybody leading up was dialing it way back and the volume was low, and then we're like, all right, well that was boring. See ya.
2: I feel like the the music is just a, a way to gather people. Mm-hmm. And and this comes back to why I've started putting forward all these things of positivity and gratitude. It's like, all right, we've gotten really good at entertaining people. We've gotten really good at gathering people. Is that what we're going to do for the rest of our lives? We're just going to entertain people? We have their attention.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, you, and a lot of times, especially with dance music, these are people at a time in their life when they're looking for guidance. They're looking for role models. Like, ellie when you first started going to studio four four i know a lot of other people who same thing when they were studio four four people with basement it was a time in their life when they you know they needed a, a loving community and if all we're doing is you know trying to shove drink specials in their face and get their ticket money we're a from a business standpoint that is not gonna last because you're not doing right by your customer base mm-hmm. you're not you're not giving them the, the longevity but also it's just like why when we can do more that's why we have a library
0: i love the library <laughs> jordan's like deep in his book from last week
1: yeah what did you get uh, right here uh, ready player one yeah have that's you read right. it yeah um, yeah that's my I'm copy almost done with it yeah it's yeah. uh it's fantastic i grabbed it at my show on thursday when I played, uh, I think I read that in like thirty-six hours when I first yeah, started. Yeah, he's it's, been it's, diving phew. in. Yeah, I'm. I'm almost done with it. It's, it's fantastic. So when I was, uh, I was away for a bachelor party, and she went to Q without me and went to I think the first one with the library. Yeah, yeah. That was she my got the shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. How was that? Uh, okay, uh, I'll get back to that in a second. Yeah. Uh, but I love the library idea. So for listeners that don't know, basically set up a library. Did you just ask people to donate books?
2: Well, it started off as the me and Ellie donated a bunch of books that meant a lot to us. It you know, helped us become the people that we are. Most of them are nonfiction for the bulk of them, at least in the beginning. And then um, David, uh, Clark, and Ty have also donated some books. We and have
0: a few that I want to give you guys, because yes, now that please. we've commingled our library, we have a lot of doubles too, because mm-hmm. we both kind of came into the relationship with similar books or copies. And so, yeah. we, have, we Well, have and some. also
2: one of the conversations uh, that I had with her when we were first putting together the library is, you know, she was reluctant to let go of a lot of books that meant a lot to her. Yeah. I was like, if these books mean a lot to you, you should put them out in the world to change other people's lives. Because for the most part, most of these books are just going to sit on the shelf. And you know, if there is a time when you want to read it again, we can go buy another copy. But the potential for that book to have the same impact on someone else that it did on you, because we put it in that place. I feel like that's worth it in the long run, Mm -hmm. especially if, you know, even if someone takes it and never returns it, buy more books, get more books.
0: I loved it on Thursday, just with everything going on, and Justin Jay was smashing it, and I just like felt compelled to go cozy up over yeah. there with Virginia and flip through some books, and it was really nice to have that option. Yeah, I get really tired of just. St- I mean, I love standing the music. in the middle of the dance. Floor. I love the m- Yeah, but but standing in the middle of the dance floor, feeling like I'm either supposed to dance or. It socialize and sometimes I just want to be around the energy without having to be totally in the middle of it. And so if you've
1: been there since nine fifteen, because yeah. you're supporting yeah. your yes. husband yeah. who's playing the 10 to 11 slot, you by the time twelve thirty comes, yeah. you're yeah. a little tired.
0: Yeah, so it was nice. And I hadn't seen Virginia since the burn, and she wanted to vent and talk about some stuff. So we just snuggled and there's up. There's really over no there. other place there's nowhere else for that. To do that. Yeah. If you
2: would be back towards the bar at the front, you're not going to be able to have an uninterrupted conversation, you're not going to be able to. Relax, and right. You're, you're right next to the booth. Still, you know, it's, it's, you can still
0: enjoy yeah. the music. You don't have to go outside. And yeah, I love having that space. I think it's fantastic. We've
2: had some, uh, we've had some artists want to donate books too already. And my Sweet. plan from here on out is I'm going to start reaching out to agents and you know, give them the whole spiel about it and ask them to relate to their artists if if they would like come bring a book, donate it, write something in it. And oh, so eventually, picture year out, and especially with how many artists we have play, people can go in there and basically browse
1: a library that's curated by their favorite artists.
0: That's very cool.
1: Yeah. I love it. I'm excited for that. We definitely have a couple books I'm super down to give. We talked about it. I keep bringing it up before the podcast, but uh, St- Stephen Pressfield's um, War of Art mm. yeah. and so that was the first book she grabbed because I had told her about this book but I kept it's sending it to my best friends <laughs> yeah and so she had never read it and I had all of his other books uh, Do the Work I
0: love Do the Work yeah, that's it's one of my too. favorites
1: and so we have those those might be good ones to, yeah. to donate too but we have those and so she'd read all the other ones but hadn't read this one uh, so it's great because when she found it she like sent me a picture of it she's like look what I got <laughs> and she just browsed through it instantly
0: yeah have you yeah, read any read Seth Godin
1: books? So you put up a Seth Godin quote yeah. yesterday, mm-hmm. and I was sitting here in the studio after our podcast with uh, Kendra, and I pulled it open. I was like, "Wow, that's a great quote!" Pulled it open. Now every morning I get the yeah. <laughs> email yes. notification. So I have you been definitely got those me for on that over one. ten years. Nice.
2: Yeah, over ten years, maybe twelve, thirteen. I, I've lost track. I've read most of his books. Not most. He's actually written too many to say most. (laughs) I've read a lot of his books. And uh, there was a point for a while where anytime I was trying to introduce uh, someone into some realm of personal growth, I would just buy them a new copy of one of his books and send it straight to them. Because, you know, you can get them for 10 bucks on Amazon. and. He's a good swift kick in the ass for a lot of people. He's He's been a huge catalyst and, and change for me and, and a lot of my friends.
0: Now, were you an avid reader growing up or is this more recent? Oh,
2: yeah. 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 It's actually recently I, I haven't read nearly as much as I used to. My f- okay. freshman year of high school, I read a book every two days for the entire year wow. or more. I, I have these weird things where I like to give myself these arbitrary rules of a year to do ridiculous shit like that. My <laughs> freshman year of college, I watched a movie every day for a year and ended up watching like 380 movies in that year. That's crazy.
1: We had Kendra on the That's podcast bizarre. yesterday. We just had this exact conversation <laughs> so last night. She's this beautiful artist who creates surrealist, pictures and she'll do uh either self portraits or portraits Mm. of other people and then through photoshop add in a bunch of other things to make it look like you're in another world okay and um she's fantastic and she did a 365 project just picked up a camera had no idea what she was doing it's
0: like this kind of stuff oh wow yeah it's stunning
1: Someday we'll have this whole podcast set up where, where it's video live fed and I can pull things up on the computer, but yeah. not quite yet. Slideshow presentation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but so she does this crazy stuff and she said it all started from a 365 project. Yeah. Yeah. Picked up a camera thing. most,
2: most things I feel like you can get pretty good at in a year or two if you put in not even that much effort every day. Just, just a little bit, um, but it's hard. It's harder than it sounds. It's like, yeah, it's not that hard. You know, it's five, ten
1: minutes, but life gets at you real fast. That it does. One of the (laughs) ones kind of we tout a lot is meditation. As yoga teachers, it's a big thing for us. I I would love to be able to sit here and tell you that I meditate every day, and I do not because it is that same thing. But it is definitely something... That I try to do a lot. And the more I do, the better I feel.
0: I can Um, definitely tell when he hasn't been meditating. Do you meditate every day? Hey, babe, have you you meditated in a while? (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I can drop in quick. Like, he needs a lot more... Preparation and planning, and yes, my brain's like, going
1: too chaotic. I have to plan it in my day of when to do it, and if I, I don't know. Yeah, it just we can be driving
0: tactic. in the car, or he would be driving, obviously. Not me, <laughs> but he could <laughs> be driving, driving and meditating. Yeah, at the same and time. I can drop in, or if we're on a plane, I tend to do it definitely when we're flying. She's and- good
1: just getting in a meditative state and like writing mm-hmm. yeah. things down. I my brain never quiets down. It's just always chaos. Yeah. So um, the the longer this conversation goes, the more I'm realizing we are very, very similar. <laughs> We're very similar. And that's part of why I wanted you on this podcast yeah. so bad because I don't know, without getting too like specific, you have definitely um careened into Seattle and caught my attention immediately. And I was <laughs> like, I need to get to know this individual.
0: Well, and um, I think you are always craving mentors always. and people to look up to. And not to say that there aren't other fantastic people in this area, but... Uh, You're also
1: a really uh, fucking good DJ.
0: Well, <laughs> and yeah. So, like, so like I... But I'd, like the, the overall energy that he's putting out too sure. is very aligned with your yoga but values and what you want. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that's harder to find in the DJ yeah. scene. So that I've, combination I've, is pretty I've met magic. lots
1: of DJs that I enjoy and that I can learn stuff from um, people that you enjoy hanging out with. And I mean, when we add an alcohol to the scene, there's lots of great times you can oh, have yeah. with other DJ friends with a little bit of alcohol. Um, but yeah, like regularly when you're playing, people are like, who is this dude? Like during my party... Everyone was so interested in who you were. Multiple of my friends were like, dude, I pulled that dude's off some amazing. really, really cool shit. You're blowing one. my yeah. mind. That, yeah. that, those
2: were some I was I, I was really proud of that one. It was you're
1: so you're like, good. you're like loop quick scratch. Yeah. Like, I yeah. was like, what is going on? See,
2: a lot of things that I do are shortcuts to masking the fact that I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> but they turn into skill. Like I'm not good at scratching, but I always mask it with reverb and short bursts and that turns into something better than it is and then if you add a little flare with a behind the back here and there (laughs) people don't even remember what it sounds like (laughs) so do
0: you have a setup at your house
2: no uh
0: i was gonna say we're coming over yeah i I love watching it it's like i'm absolutely fascinated with watching what it's happening with all that, I don't understand barely any of it yet, but yeah, I I'm surprised want to. you don't have CDJs. Well, yeah. see,
2: I didn't. I, I had a the XDJRX recently, but I sold it to uh, my Burning Man camp, oh, uh, nice. so we could have it for that. Which it's hilarious how many of them are out on the playa now because <laughs> it's such a cheap all-in-one USB controller. Pretty much every every camp that I played had one. Yeah, wow. I
1: I was I got an S8. Um, and I don't, I guess I just overlooked that feature, but I kind yeah. of assumed that it would have a USB function right. and it didn't. Yeah. I was no. pretty bummed. Yeah. I have never, well, I, I owned CDJs
2: for a couple of years when I first started, but after that, I I basically learned by doing stuff live. That's exactly <laughs> how I am. <laughs> which is terrifying, but f- super fun. And like when I was yeah. in New York doing basement, basement, there was a lot of times when I would play for four or five hours a night. It would wow. just be me and the headliner. I'd play two plus hours before them. I'd play two plus hours after sometimes. We would go until 5.30, six in the morning sometimes. And that was, like, we had a we had a, a lot of really good local DJs, but we also didn't have budget to pay, or at least I wasn't given budget to pay people, and I hated asking people to play for free. And at some point when I started realizing that a lot of people were coming back to see me, I just kept putting myself up there and so having you know that much time to play gave me a lot of freedom to to learn and try new things
1: yeah it's been one of my biggest struggles Uh, when I graduated college I got CDJ 900s but Mm. then a DJM 400 which is only a two-channel yeah like seven seven effects or something like that no filter knobs or anything so that was always tough for me because I couldn't really learn couldn't do anything crazy um
2: I have a friend who learned to use CDJs by going to Guitar Center for over a year.
0: That's brilliant. Yeah. There's it, one really close to here. We could just go fuck m- around over most there. Most
2: Guitar Centers have full CDJ setups. Um, and <coughs> the thing USB. is, Yeah. And the thing is, you just have to be not worried about whatever the fuck anyone thinks about you or what yeah. you're doing and be more worried about the end result, which is learning.
3: Mm-hmm. And that's
2: what he did. And... I never had to do that, and I would like to say that I would have, but I think my social anxiety would have gotten the best of me for so that. So how
0: do you deal with your social anxiety? Do you have any tools or things that, that help you, or, or are you able to see it coming now and sort of preempt it at all?
2: Yeah, I've gotten better at that. Uh, I, I do escape more often. Uh, I won't just leave myself in those social situations. I'll... Leaving, I mean, we we go sit in my car a lot <laughs> during shows. We'll we'll do that. We've done that a ton of times in Monkey Loft. We'll just go sit in the car for like just
0: need a break, yeah,
2: forty five minutes and browse Reddit together. Because you know what, it, being at a party doesn't mean we need to be in there at all times. And sometimes you got to do what's best for you and for the long term. You got to
0: pace yourself. Yeah. I love that idea because I I do. Most of the time when we're out, I'm no substances. I mean, I definitely like to smoke weed here and there. And, yeah. and when I'm weed on helps. that, yeah, weed that helps definitely a lot. helps me. Being here, being kind.
2: somewhere where it's legal helps yeah. a lot. Yeah. Oh,
0: true. Yeah. yeah.
2: That wasn't an option in New York.
0: True. I couldn't just
2: walk outside and hit my pen, you know? Here I can buy a pen. It's easy. Yeah, I can go outside and hit that if I'm feeling really anxious or just wanting. <coughs> I can smoke a joint,
1: mm-hmm. walk back inside. No one cares. Yeah. Yeah, and you won't lose 7% of your stock like Elon Musk for smoking <laughs> weed on a podcast?
0: <laughs> I, think, I think he'll do okay. Yeah. Although I was
2: reading that that coincided with something else that was more likely the reason oh, I'm sure. that stock hit. But, of course, everyone's going to you know he takes a hit the stock takes a hit <laughs> <laughs> sensationalized
0: i still want to buy his tesla so yeah yeah,
1: yeah one he's, of these days he's just one of those people did you listen to the whole podcast no i didn't it was i would highly recommend it yeah it was pretty great um he threw out lots of conversations about <clears throat> excuse me i got a tickle going on um Throughout, he t- Like, Joe Rogan brings up Ready Player One because he talks about oh, really? a lot of crazy stuff throughout. Um, and he basically ends the whole podcast with, like, basically saying, like, love is the answer. <laughs> wow. It's, so like, basically going mm-hmm. into, like, full levels of positivity, just, like, was great. be nice to people, be yeah. a better person, everything will be great. That's yeah, cool. that's,
2: what, that's really what matters at the core of things. And mm-hmm. then... Let's build flamethrowers and try to go to space. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> <was>, why not? <laughs> that was
0: literally pretty much the whole theme <laughs> of the podcast. Yeah, Sweet. Because we can. Yeah. 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 Do you listen to any podcasts?
2: I, I don't. I used to.
0: Do you do anything to like entertain you? I mean, you're definitely one of the busier people on my radar. So I'm curious if you have downtime and if you do what you do with it.
2: And see, that's the thing. And this is why I made that post last night is uh, one of the things I'm focusing on now is Gaining back my free time I have spent the last couple of years really I mean if, if I'm getting down to brass tacks the last like 10 years of my life since I started DJing in a hurry trying to build something because especially as a non-producer building anything that's lasting is uh, hard and uncertain and you know, it's really easy to fall into irrelevancy and just you know I was always kind of a little just scared that everything would just disappear overnight, especially when I moved out here, left a party that I've been doing for six years every week. That was my life moving out here. I was terrified. I'm like, all right, what if I never get back to that point of being that busy and having that kind of income and creative outlet? So I went balls to the wall and just took on everything that I could and just never stopped and changed that mentality and slowed down to realize Like, I have the life that I have more than I ever dreamed of at this point. Time to cut back and enjoy that and enjoy her.
0: Yeah. I like that idea. Do you schedule it in now or what's your game plan going forward? Well, this forward? is all new. <laughs> oh, okay. So I have some recommendations on that. Yeah. We like to schedule what we call a fuck it day and I and I have to actually put it in the calendar and yes, you can <laughs> fuck if you want but it's more about just fuck it. Like Whatever we want to do that day is what we're going to do but nothing can be put on the calendar in that day so that yeah, it's ultimate like that. freedom. If you want to stay in bed all day and be stony and watch a Harry Potter marathon, that's what you do. If you decide you want to go for a walk or go for a hike like Like we don't necessarily, it's not always a lazy day, but it's just like a a Unstructured. Yeah, completely unstructured, but nothing can be put on there. Um, I'm the calendar wizard. So for me, it's more so like when I see a big streak of a lot of stuff, I make sure that there's a day after all that, that we don't put anything Um, because like that's coming up right now for us where we (laughs) went to Vegas on Monday, Uh, we had to be up at 4 a.m., fly out at 6 we were there for till ten hours, eight p.m., which for, I want to hear more about later. Yeah, we'll go. We'll do that off. <laughs> yeah, uh, off I, I, I figured. Yeah. What's our <laughs> yeah, the safe word for this podcast is banana. I'm so going to invoke banana. But we were Sponsored there. Sponsored
2: by Chiquita. For, <laughs>
0: Chiquita, Chiquita. We were there for meetings, and and it was a fantastic, productive day. But it was a fucking whirlwind, and then. Tuesday was really busy and then Wednesday's busy. And then we have our teacher training all weekend. And I was kind of pulled out the calendar and showed Jordan. I was like, just an FYI, like we have somehow overscheduled ourselves for all these days in a row. So this day right now has nothing on it and it's going to stay that way. So don't schedule anything. I'm not going to schedule anything. So it's usually more so of a um, looking at the big picture. And it's saying so easy to, to fill a in. day.
1: With yeah. with anything, so with absolutely oh, yeah. anything, and it'll come out of nowhere. But a
0: doctor appointment. Hey, I remember that or... time we were going to do
1: this podcast, yeah, like two days before your wedding. <laughs> oh when my two
0: god! Two days before the noise complaint need? anniversary weekend. I'm yeah, so yeah. glad we rescheduled. Yeah. I my body broke down that week. Yeah, yeah, I can my was so stressed out. So
1: your yeah, that's what that's one thing right we now.
0: do. <laughs> yeah, <you're, laughs> is we schedule a fuck it day, and then we also a huge motto. I guess our. um I don't really do New Year's resolutions, but I I think of it more as like intentions. So my New Year's intention for last year, um, or my hashtag, was uh, if it's not a fuck yes, then it's a no thank you. And that's stayed with us. So whenever we get offers to do things, we have to have the converse. We, first, yeah. we never say yes right away. We talk to each other and really like look at the big picture and say, is this a fuck yes? Because if it's not a fuck yes, then we have to say no, thank you. Yeah. It's just we don't have room right now for things that we're kind of interested in. Or, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. Or, oh, that might be a good exposure thing. Like, no. If the day the time the people the vibes isn't a fuck yeah let's do this then we just are not accepting that right now
3: I,
2: I like that mentality i was first introduced to that um a few years ago in uh in panama i was actually on this private island experience called island life mm-hmm. and uh there was a woman there who's a uh, jackie nectel who spoke about uh she, she focuses on flow and like finding your life flow and being in a state of flow and the big part of that is only do things that you say fuck yes to. And I think. Love that. Yeah. What's
0: her name? I need to write that down. Uh,
2: Jackie, last name, K E K N E T C H E L, something okay. like that. I'll, I'll find you links afterwards. Okay. She's incredible. But um, I, I agree. And I think that's something that I lost sight of too. And I just started taking on everything. And. We have had so many times where we had just not even just like days in a row of wild shit, but like weeks, yeah, months. And realizing that you don't have time to breathe or reflect or digest or grow or in any way, it's it's tough. And I definitely have not been my best self lately. And I think a lot of that, I know a lot of that is tied to that. And I'm excited for the change.
1: Yeah. It's um, when you attempt to be an individual that gives so much to other people and you're so focused on spreading that joy and love and generosity and acceptance with everyone and it's the classic thing but you forget to turn that back on yourself can't pour from an empty glass yeah mm-hmm. you gotta recharge your batteries if if you're completely empty you can't give anything more and you know what's really funny
2: is me and chick iverson just finished up a track the track that's on that dirty bird camp out mix <laughs> give as much as you can give until it hurts and then give some more of course, that, that I would probably write a different track today. Do yeah. as much as you can, and then maybe rest a little bit. Yeah, take a breather, But I was, As I've been having these realizations of needing to uh, restructure my priorities and my time, uh, That I've been laughing at myself that that is the, probably the first track that's going to come out, by the first actual original music that's going to come out for me.
0: I like nice. it,
2: I like it. So, so I still of, do like that message, though. It's a good one.
0: Well, and now that the fear factor is gone, because I think a lot of that was probably fear-based, right? I got to do all the things. A lot, yeah. I got to be relevant. Uh-huh. I got to be confident. And now that that fear isn't there, um, people, you got to give them a chance to miss you a little bit. Like people will be yeah. like, oh, where's Mark? I feel like I haven't. And then you're like, yeah, here he is. Let's I've definitely go. saturated myself in
2: the in the Seattle market a little bit.
0: Well, I usually get annoyed with people who do that, but you actually did not get on my nerves at all. <laughs> I actually think it was you did it well. You didn't overdo it, and I think part of it is your subset, your noise complaint, your field trip. Like you're you're in a lot of personas. It's mm-hmm. not just subset, subset, subset. So I think that helped to your case a little bit, where there are some very eager beavers in the scene sometimes, and I'm like, whoa, simmer down, y'all. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and and I've I've made uh, made it a point to make sure that when I came to Seattle. I gave more than I took. Mm-hmm. I didn't just be like, all right, I'm a DJ. I've been DJing for a <laughs> long time. Where's my gigs? Yo. It's like, all right, I'm gonna start making these opportunities, giving other people slots, and the other ones fell, you know, started coming, but you know, for the first couple of months I only played my own
1: shows. But the first th- show I threw here was like a week after I moved here. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of shows that you've got going on. Yeah. One of them, Dirty Bird Camp Out. You mentioned your Dirty Bird Camp Out mix. Yeah.
0: It's so good.
1: Thank Thanks. you. I'm, I love it. i really, really happy with how that turned out. Yeah, you put a lot of energy and effort into that that was way more than what someone would imagine being a standard mix. Yeah. I,
2: I've, I've tried to do that with my mixes when I can, especially when they're high-profile ones, because I'm a DJ. I'm not a producer. So it's my form of production. It's my way of doing something unique and conveying to people that if you come see my sets, it will be something special. It will be something you will remember. It's not like, oh, that guy's got cool track selection. It's like, no, I'm. you'll remember my set, and here's why. The first, I, like I've been dabbling with sampling stuff like that for, for years. I think the first time I did one on a public mix was, uh, do you know Smog, uh, 12 Planets dubstep label? Yeah. I did a mix for them 2014, 15, something like that and I cut up a speech by Laidback Luke about DJing. and about uh, He's like, DJing used to be the thing where guys would try to find songs that nobody knew. And the track that I was opening with was actually a track by this duo called Um, and it was an unreleased track forthcoming on my label. So it was cool to open it with that in the context of, uh, of his speech too. And then uh, Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny, I sampled his commencement speech at Merrimack College for a set on Holy Ship to be like a graduation speech. And then my Holy Ship mix for last year, I, uh, I found a TED Talk by a nuclear submarine captain who took the worst performing crew in the naval fleet and turned them into the best performing crew in under 18 months. And it was his, him talking about leadership. And I cut that up throughout that mix. And I'd actually have like I have a friend who owns a massive company in uh, North based in North Carolina. And he tells me that it restructured the way or it made him rethink the way he structures his leadership of his company. And so once I realized, too, that these things, people are actually listening to those and these can have an impact on people outside of just entertainment. Coming back to that. Why do we have to just entertain people? Why can't we put forth a message? figure go all out especially with dirty bird camp out you know the the opportunity given there i'm not just going to put together some cool music i'm going to try to put something out there that might touch some people
1: yeah and you're you're not just submitting a dirty bird camp out mix to win the dj competition you're actually one of the djs on the lineup at dirty bird camp out which is
2: still (laughs) very very surreal to me very surreal
1: that's so awesome yeah like when we uh First, well, because I had been a big fan of Dirty Bird Out or just Dirty Bird in general. And my buddy told me about first year and he was like, dude, the campout was literally hands down the coolest thing ever. And I got to I used to do artist transportation for USC. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got to drive Claude and I had a conversation with him about it. And I was like, dude, how'd the out go? And he's like, honestly, it was the coolest thing I've ever done. He's like, it was so perfect. Everything went without a hitch. And I was like, all right, dude, I'm sold. I'm there next year. Uh, and yeah, so we have not missed one. yet. Yeah. yeah. And so we went and it was so good. And then the next year we ended up teaming up with Annie, um, through her Yo yoga project. And she was like, yeah, we have taught here before. And so maybe we can get you in next year. And so then we got to teach. And so I,
0: this will be our third time teaching. That. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: amazing. And so I put together my own mix of just like d- dirty bird, mostly dirty bird tracks mm-hmm. and like played it while we taught. So that I, because there was no live DJs allowed during the classes. They didn't want it to take away from the other artists that were on stage. And so they were like, if you're doing yoga or you're doing some other activity you can have a pre-planned mix but they don't want to DJ up there they were like in previous years I guess DJs were divas about it and were like oh I want full CDJ 2000s with a Nexus mixer and if I don't have that I'm going to be mad and so they were just like we're, we don't want it doesn't want... suck when some people just ruin everything yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so they were like we don't want it but what we teach is acro and it's teamwork oriented anyway right. so it's yeah. nice for us to both be up there and be teach and not co-teach. worry about DJing yeah. Yeah. and so I just made a mix for it and it's like my most Played mix on my entire SoundCloud because people are like, oh, Dirty Bird. And yeah. they're like, oh, it's from Camp Out. Like, it wasn't an yeah. official Camp Out mix, but. Hey, but it was from Camp Out. Yeah. And it yeah. created experiences for a lot of people. And it's definitely well, been. Well, and in
0: the yoga class, they loved it. It got everybody, and that's part of the way we teach yoga for Camp Out is to get them ready for you guys that night. And right. so we, we, we think of ourselves as the openers, sort of in a way. So he curates the music for the class, and we. We create the vibes in the class that are a lot less like Om Shanti meditative and a lot more like, all right, let's get weird, let's get (laughs) Get dirty. dirty, Yeah, it's really really fun. Hopefully, I don't know what the schedule is yet, but I hope we're not when you're you're teaching. I don't know yet, but I hope we're not at the the same time because I want to go to your...
2: I'll be Sunday one p.m. Oh, or two okay. or I think one. I'm opening up the birdhouse. I know we Sunday. have one
0: class on cool. Saturday. And then I think we might be doing a workshop on Sunday. So I don't know exactly on, on okay. the details yet. But we'll I'm just excited We'll let all you dirty listeners
1: know. Um, yeah. yeah Camp Out is just the best So if anyone's on the fence Or thinking about Going to Dirty Bird Camp Out I can't recommend We've it
2: We've rallied enough. quite a few people yeah. This year I'm excited a huge Seattle a crew friends. Now we have yeah.
1: Sarah Rose Is
2: hosting yeah.
0: The thing
1: at Craftopia <laughs> yeah. So dope That submission
2: video Yeah, yeah. Incredible
1: <laughs> Yeah She uh She's a ton of fun. You've done stuff with her with Daybreakers. We've yeah. done stuff with her. How do you I'm like excited. that Daybreakers? We've taught love it.
0: two or three Daybreakers. How do you like uh it's, I DJed a couple
1: too.
2: Yeah. When I The first time that I went to a Daybreaker was maybe five or six months after I moved to Seattle and just walking in there and seeing what they were pushing and, and the, that it's about community positivity. It's, it's you know not just, hey, here, come listen to some music and go on your merry way. We want your money. It's not about that. It's about giving something to these people that will change their lives, really. I was floored. And I immediately went up to someone and was like, how do I get involved? Like, how can I help this mission in some way? And uh, she gave me an email to to reach out to. And I ended up reaching out to them, giving them like my DJ resume. I was like, I would love to, to play, but also any other way I can help out. And then I helped out for like I came and helped set up. Uh, I think they call them mischief makers. I yeah. helped set up and coordinate things for the for the next one. And they brought me in a couple months later to play. And I've I've been addicted since. I try to tell everyone about it. They're and such
0: a great crew. It's
2: they are
1: they really are. It's great for the sober crowd too. Like yeah. It's <laughs> not specifically for sober crowd in any right. way, shape, or form, but it's. There's something about not staying up late and drinking alcohol and being hung over the next day that allows you to get up earlier. Yeah. And so they go on that morning vibe of like, oh, if you're about to go to work, get up before work. Or sometimes on Saturdays, it'll be like a 9 a.m. or something. The
0: first one we taught for them was actually before they got bought out by Daybreakers. They were still called right. The Wake. Okay. And we, uh, I taught and he DJed at their one year anniversary party. It was literally like a couple weeks before they got bought out, I believe. Yeah. And it was at the Great Wheel down on the waterfront. It was really cool. Wow. We had a huge crowd. It was so fun. And then a couple weeks later, we met Radha and uh, Eli because they came to town and they were basically launching the Daybreaker aspect of it and changing the name over and stuff. And then we did a, a couple more with them um, after. It was It's just a a great crew i love it it. i love it and
2: and it it goes to show you that music can be more than just an escape and a party thing Mm -hmm. it really shows that it can be the start of your day it can be what gives you energy for your day Mm -hmm. and that's that's just i think that's important because a lot of people think that music and partying in general is only one thing it's that debaucherous hedonistic thing that's and it's not it's Often that, (laughs) but it doesn't always have to be. You can have sober parties. You can have libraries. You can have different things. You just, I mean, guess the first step is knowing that it's possible.
1: Yeah, people get super specific into genres as well, and I've noticed Mm -hmm. just you talking now. You've you've played through many genres over your years. Oh yeah, all over the place. I mean, that's that was.
2: Kind of my my focus when I started DJing was trying to become uh, a very good context appropriate DJ. Not just I bring this to the table. Let me try to find that table. <laughs> it's like all right, I'm here. I let I can figure out something for this situation, and that's led me to play a lot of really interesting shows. I've um, I've been on. Uh, do you know Sway from MTV? Mm-hmm. I've been on Sway in the Morning wow. on uh, Sirius XM three times. <sighs> um sweet yeah i opened i've opened up for like uh have you heard the soul rebels they're a piece new orleans brass band (laughs) i opened up for them once uh last minute in new york and they loved it so much that every time they came back to new york for the next like two years they had me play and the wildest one was the last time that i did that for them they did a three-night run at brooklyn bowl every time they came and played i opened up for them at brooklyn bowl the last time they did three night run and they had different DJs for each show. It was me, um, uh, Puff Daddy's DJ and Africa Bambata.
0: Whoa.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Realizing I was in that company or at least viewed by them in that company was unreal. (laughs) Wow. And it was a, a huge, huge motivator to me continuing down this path of trying to be a DJ because it's i feel like it's a lost art Mm -hmm. it's becoming a lost art people are ingrained in them they have to be a producer that that's how you do it that's throughout my career every time i hit a milestone first time i'm booked on holy ship i have someone come to me all right so it's time to get in the studio right Hmm. but this is working it's you know it's not skyrocketing but it's not a race and it's uh, it's been tough to fight back that mentality and try to forge a path.
0: Where did it start? Where did you Where did you get the DJ bug, or maybe even before that, you, like music wise? Were you always into music? Was it a certain genre that first like really caught your eye, and then you? started well, I was a metalhead in, in high school. Oh, I could yeah. see that hair, hair down I to could here. Totally see that. Okay. Yeah. Wait, yeah. how old are you? I need to know uh, what era 30. this was. Oh, you're
2: yeah. only thirty. What? Yeah. Oh wait, I don't I don't know. Totally I, don't, I don't I don't know
1: how to take that reaction. <laughs> no,
0: I we both thought you were closer to my age. <laughs> how Not, old are you? I'm forty two. <laughs> I didn't think
1: you were in your forties. I thought yeah. I thought you were in your like mid, mid to mid late thirties. You, you just have a ton of experience. You've done you've, so
0: much then, Yeah, so. it's the beard.
1: Yeah, maybe <laughs> you've done a lot. John, Jonathan and, just... and I have talked about that. I look like I'm like 18. Yeah. like for yeah. at, at, at my brutal. wedding party. How old are you? At my wedding party, he had no idea who I was. Or no, sorry, not who Wait. I was. <laughs> <laughs> he had no idea how old I was, yeah. and he yeah. like asked me. He's like, "So you're getting married? Like, how old are you?" I'm 29. He was like, "Oh, you're 29." Yeah. yeah. I thought you were younger See, too. And yeah. so like yeah. everyone yeah. has thought I'm way younger. And so like you look at specifics and like, that's where like I've been in this scene long enough right. that I've seen a lot of people come and go. And like, yeah. I am I haven't been around as long as Johnny Monsoon, but like he's been one of those people who's been super influential to me because I've seen that like, that legacy that's been left of someone who's been there long enough. And so yeah. from viewing you and hearing you talk about DJing for the past 10 years and like the yeah, art form I that you put into you it. Yeah, just you were like,
0: closer to my age, mostly too, just from the...
1: Well, 10 years
2: also doesn't seem like that long. I feel like I'm still a baby in music, yeah, you know? True. Yeah, Like, because it was single digits like last year, you know? Yeah, Nine years true. of DJing doesn't feel like that much when you're surrounded by people who've been throwing parties in this city for 25
1: years Seriously, i'm like i've oof.
0: but you've done a lot in 10 years yeah a lot more than most people cram into 10 years but yeah. there's
1: also that humility of it that like that it's it's so rampant in this dj world because you have maybe not because but there's some of it like you've got martin Garrix who at like 16 is like yeah. producing huge music and by 19 is like one of the most popular djs in the world and then you've got people who come through nightclubs and they get famous yeah. or in the in their in their scene and they're popular and they lose all recognition of the artists who come before or the art the people who've done shows for the last 25 years and they have like,
2: no context
1: yeah it's just about what they're putting out there which is good to an
2: extent but there's room for something else and i want to try and be that something else because every you know the argument that people used to give me of well th- that's how you make it i'm like okay well that's exactly why I'm going to try something else cuz I don't want to try and do the same thing everyone does and it's like if production was a burning desire in me I would but it's not so why try to force that because then it's inauthentic it's not a fuck yes.
0: Yeah. And That's, if it's not a burning desire it's not going to happen because like yeah. we talked about earlier it and takes not And you're not going to be happy or it could happen work. but
2: it won't I won't be happy so why yeah. put
1: myself through that process? That's super inspiring cuz I feel very similar. Um One of the big struggles for me has been people have asked me to DJ weddings and whatnot. Mm. I'm like, I don't want to DJ a wedding because that doesn't feel like a fuck yes to me.
2: So much stress.
1: But one of the things that has been super interesting that I know you've toyed with as well because your sister is DJing a cycle class. Yeah. And I do a monthly DJ gig at a cycle place. Really? For the last year been doing it for the last year when
0: i first got approached by it i almost didn't even ask him because i was like he is gonna so because in my mind it was a fuck no (laughs) right and i was like just try it just try it once let's just see what happens and now he's done it every month for the last year
1: and it's been the most challenging thing of my entire dj career and that's how it felt for me and that's and that
2: is why like i you got to find the difference between a fuck no and a that's really going to be challenging and yeah. scary because mm-hmm. those are the places where we grow. Yeah. Playing in a club every week isn't going to make you grow as a DJ. You'll get better technically, but it, like I've been fortunate enough to play so many different, like different parties. Like I've played, I played a fashion show on a boat that went around the tip of Manhattan, <laughs> where I was playing orchestral music like Hans Zimmer and Ooh. John wow. Newman, mixed with like. N- Early two thousands pop hits and like Michael Buble <laughs> and shit. Oh my god, that sounds <laughs> amazing! It was terrifying, I bet. absolutely terrifying. All the meetings leading up to it and just the execution was, ew, oh my gosh! But I grew a lot from that, and it's those those really weird, random, unique experiences that I've chased because that's also you know that's where the fun is. And and me as a DJ, yeah, I want to play for crowd big you know big crowds of people, but I would rather something unique that I'll remember for the rest of my life than another, you know, gig at a they club. They all start that, to blend yeah, together. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I'll never forget that one. I'll never <laughs> in my life.
1: Wow. Yeah, because like in my brain, I picture you as a tech house DJ. Oh, uh, yeah. And I know it's that's so, so funny.
2: Everyone in Seattle does and it's so But far that's the me. thing yeah.
1: that is popular at the moment. Yeah. Tech house is yeah. the thing. And so Noise Complaint usually has stuff that are around that genre. Yes, very much more broad. You guys bring in some really great people that aren't specific niche tech house. Um,
2: Well, see, Noise Complaint also for me was a response to my six years of weekly dubstep and heavy music that I did hmm. in New York and my life basically being dubstep for seven years. And so I was like, all right. Part of it also was when I was in New York, I was starting I always been into house music. I always loved house music and I always incorporated some into my sets because I was always all all over the board at basement. But when I was trying to do more underground house stuff, I was lit, already the dubstep DJ. so I was pigeonholed as that and I couldn't really get a lot of the gigs or the respect for it. And I'll be honest, you know, I wasn't didn't quite know what the hell I was doing. And so when I moved out here I was like all right, time for crash course in house. I've done enough dubstep for a while. Let's just go straight house for a, for a bit. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of uh, I expended a lot of effort in making sure I watched the DJs that we brought and learned from them cuz DJing house and DJing dubstep are very different things. Yeah. And while I did want to bring some of the the style that I had already had, I did want to still be informed on You know, you got to know the rules before you break them. And I remember how much I learned from watching uh, Gavin Royce of Walker and Royce uh, play back in 2016 at Noise Complaint and really watching what he was doing. Like, uh huh. I would literally never
1: loop dubstep. (laughs) Watching them play together at Dirty Bird East Mm -hmm. Coast we were lucky enough to be on stage watching the two of them standing right behind them. And I was, was throwing so my hands up. Like, yeah. What? Yeah. They were They're communicating incredible. a bunch up on stage. Like, all right, do this, do this, do well, this. How do we and, go here? And
0: they were back to back with Claude. And yeah. so then, so he would do, so they would do something and then Claude would turn and look at me and be like, what was that (laughs) did you see that and i was like i don't even know dude like if you don't know i definitely don't know (laughs) it was great i've I've always
1: tried to emulate that same thing of using whatever minute amount of clout i have to get myself either backstage or close to the stage in order to watch yeah Yeah. because um that was always the interesting part to me was learning and i i have this quote that i always tell people when i was Early on in San Francisco, um, you probably wouldn't know, but Ruby Sky was like the club in San Francisco. i it, yeah. And the trance days. And I was a trance DJ. That was, that was my world. And I was hanging out and somehow I got introduced to this guy and went to an after party at his house. And he had a whole DJ set up at his house. Signed by every major trance artist. Wow. It was like the after party spot for everyone who came through Ruby Sky. And I was like, how in the fuck did I end up (laughs) here? But I had like met this guy at a random warehouse rave and he just started talking to me. And I was 21 years old, like fresh, new in the scene, just like bright eyed, wondering about everything. And he gave me this advice and he was like, the love is in the middle of the dance floor. It's like everyone wants to be backstage. They want to yeah. they want to be cool. They want to be in the VIP area. They want to be, you know, everywhere that's not on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's their dream until they get up there and then they're like, "Oh wait, I'm missing that love of being out there and experiencing the music and really like vibing to it." Yeah. And that definitely just stuck with me forever of like, no, that's where the love is. And so I always had this idea that like I want to stay out there. But then every time I could for a specific artist, to would be like, all right, I want to get backstage because I want to sit and watch Go this. Go up there work. for a reason. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, not just so you can
2: Look at me. be backstage. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I I love being in the middle of the crowd. Always have. And I mean, that's where the people who care are. That's where the that's where the sound's the best. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I want to be on stage The you know, sounds tens terrible. of thousands yeah. of dollars of sound are pointing that way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, tech house wise, um, how has that kind of become the, the niche thing is that you just kind of following, uh, I, I guess you mentioned kind of like your, you like the house music, but yeah, is that a bit of like kind of, um, stepping outside of a scene that you've spent so long understanding to kind of survey into the future? Cause you guys bring a lot of artists that, are not your super high caliber artists that are going to cost a ridiculous amount of money. You're finding these like more along the lines of niche artists that have great and amazing content that you know haven't reached the masses. We're trying to be tastemakers as much as we can now.
2: Definitely in the early days, we had to play more towards having the recognized names so we could draw that crowd in. But like next month, or Jubilee and Madame X, those are definitely smaller names, and it's it's nice to be able to finally push us we're, with the whole always season three is once again season three i think you said you were on season three we're this is season, season two. two yeah oh, it's season two we're on three with noise complaint and and our our uh, mission is to push further outside of the tech house realm but it's one of those things where we knew we had to kind of start there to gain people's attention and we always had the intention of pushing further out um me personally it definitely was something that I hadn't gotten to explore as much. So, and there's so much in the house world and Seattle having such a rich house history with Flammable, with Studio 44, 4, Lost, all, all of these. It's been a learning experience. And I've just been soaking it up, putting my spin on it, reflecting on that, going back out and taking it all in again, going. You know, on tour and seeing the the spin of it. Now that I'm getting booked on more house shows and just really trying to learn with it and and have this as part of my skill set. Like it was never intended to be. I'm um, a house DJ, and I'm. And what's funny is, like, I've the entire time I've been doing noise complaint, I've been touring, playing not house. Like when I f- first moved to Seattle think a month later, I went to Boston and opened up for EEPROM. And so I'm like playing gnarly, super weird bass music. And I come back here and everyone thinks I'm just a house DJ. Yeah.
1: Yeah. EEPROM's <laughs> here tomorrow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I might might try to go catch
1: early part of that, but probably not. <laughs> 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 there's, there's just too much. Yeah. 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 And you've done a great job, obviously, of being able to enter a market that is. Naturally inclusive, but when money is involved, is not inclusive. Yeah, And you seem to have navigated the waters quite well in meeting the expectations of the city while also making friends with the other people that are throwing shows. Is that something you learned in New York? Did you have a lot of like... I know you had a lot of club experience with that specific club, but was there a similar aspect there where things... Like communal based, was there a lot of like promoting each other's shows, collaboration, yeah. or was it very much like there a- wasn't? And that's
2: a big reason I left, hmm. is that I had been fighting so for so long. Like I, I a lot of what I wanted to do with Basement, uh, it took a lot more effort than it needed to. It, it was always fighting tooth and nail for ideas with Webster Hall. A lot of my ideas were just ignored and after a point that it gets really frustrating. Um, Booking process is taking longer than they needed to and just not really getting any communication and and not getting communication about not having communication. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, there, there was a certain other promoter slash DJ who hated me to the point of actively trying to destroy my career. Um, For some reasons personal and some I I can't really fully explain why he was on such a dead set mission, but when I played in DC on that tour back in 2016, I heard that he threatened the promoter, well he was basically like, uh, why did you book Mark without asking me? You don't have ownership over him. And he basically threatened to blacklist them from uh, different agencies if they ever booked me again and that was definitely the last straw. I was like I you know I, I might not be able to do as big of things as I was doing here in Seattle or in somewhere else but I can't do this anymore. It was is it was just too much. And everyone in New York at least at that point seemed to be in it for their crew or themselves and it was always a battle. And so
0: maybe I'm naive but I don't think that this area was like that before you like Like i don't like it is now i i I feel like the inclusivity uh, i don't know if inclusivity is it but i feel like what you just described is what i thought the seattle area was a couple years ago really yeah i do think this is a new thing like seeing different crews promote each other and share each other's events that's very new
2: actually yeah. when we started doing the timber room takeovers with noise complaint i remember that being a uh a kind of shocking idea to a
1: lot of people. Yeah. You're like, wait, there was a you're lot of competitiveness. another crew involved. That's kind of why I said it because yeah. you've done. A phenomenal job. And, and you've and,
0: brought that here because it wasn't like that before. And, and there was definitely this maybe not quite said, but understood idea of like, you don't go play at this location if you play at that location. And there wasn't a lot of crossover. There wasn't a lot. There wasn't support going on. In, I
2: know I ruffled some feathers in, and, in its own way. <laughs> no, in
0: a good way.
2: Yeah. I think well, you, in the beginning, I ruffled some feathers in some bad way. I know when I first started working at Q doing uh, low pass. I literally had no idea that there was any feud between Q and Foundation. Yeah. I had no idea at all, and I was going to Foundation because a lot of my friends who were dubstep artists were playing uh, Wednesdays there, and I would never go with anyone because all my friends here just liked house music. But I'd go and I'd, you know, be in the green room. I'd be, uh, I'd end up going back to back with a lot of different artists at Foundation, and found out that, like. People higher up at Foundation was like, "Is what is he doing? He's a yeah. Q. Is he trying to come in here and steal these artists?" And I was like, "No, he's like he's actually friends with them. He's just trying to come see his friends and hang out with them." Um I was like, why does this matter? Just, it's yeah. Politics.
1: Yeah. There's
0: a lot of politics. I think yeah. that's a good way to put it. politics and clicks for sure. For sure. Yeah.
1: And there's there's a cyclical nature to music in general. There just is. Um, popularity of what genre is popular, what club is popular, what style is popular, what crew is popular. I mean, like you talk about the lost crew, they've been doing it for twenty years. Mm-hmm. And like when we went and saw our first Dirty Bird camp out, uh Claude played a video, they did some video, and he talked about on it how, like, when they first started, they got some notoriety, and then, like, a couple years later, they weren't shit, Nobody liked him. Nobody mm-hmm. knew who the fuck Dirty Bird was. Nobody cared. And then they were hot shit. And then now suddenly they're popping and Claude gets like artist or like DJ of the year. Yeah, and yeah. Like All this stuff comes through and now they're popular again. And so it's like that cyclical nature. I've been talking about it for years. I have. I used to do a talk at um, USC events called uh, Life Cycle of a Raver just because it's like there's this cyclical nature that happens. And I think that happens with crews in general. But it got to a point where there were there were powerhouses in Seattle, just mm-hmm. like you talked about. Mm-hmm. And there were these powerhouses. And those two powerhouses came through Q slash Decibel and USC slash Foundation. And that became really kind of the height of it. Um, and there was other stuff that went on, obviously. And there was still cross-promotion. And people were still friends. And people still went out to other shows. But there kind of became this, like, wall a, there was on either a divide. side.
0: There was a divide. There was definitely
1: sure. a divide. And then... Some things happened, some things moved around. We don't need to get into anything specific that's super recent. But two years ago, I I honestly think part of your entry into Seattle ruffled enough feathers and threw enough people out of whack and realized like, (laughs) oh, this is possible. And it doesn't have to be this craziness. And I would say some of the OGs, um, whether they always practice what they preach, but like two names I'll throw out. is like One is like Trinity and one is Sean Majors who were both like, yo, positivity works. We can be friends. We can cross promote. We can all do shows and it's great. Um, but I think that's finally actually feeling like a reality. Mm-hmm. And what that did was allowed other people to open up like the friend zone, like Tiki Tiki to just pop out of nowhere when before honestly would have been just easily squashed. There's right. been yeah. so many nights and Seattle is in this like revival right now of crews attempting to throw shows in small venues Yeah, and being able to do it.
0: I love it. And, and, and I think of, like
2: you said, like that mentality was kind of already there with like Sean and Trinity, but I th- it maybe this needed that little push of someone coming in from mm-hmm. the outside and,
1: and ruffling it a bit, you know, st- standing on the shoulders of giants.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it was easy to felt like you were stuck in one place. Right. I was a resident at foundation for three years and I was there. That was my club. Right. I promoted that club. You couldn't
0: yeah. go anywhere else.
1: I yeah, played two a few times. So that's part of why I never played.
0: Ex
2: foundation residents coming to us now, like yeah. wanting somewhere to play, and I'm like that was always an option.
1: But it wasn't. <laughs> but it wasn't on their but, end. but It wasn't on their end. Yeah. yeah. It was. And I, I like, I won't get into the specifics of it, but like through my work with USC, like I, I know a lot of the breakdown of how things happened, mm-hmm. and it, like, it kind of makes sense why there was like this big feud, and it was club versus club. Yeah, and and it. It it doesn't need to
2: be that way at all, and Mm -hmm. like we just signed a bunch of uh, a few really talented artists to be field trip residents, and the first question they all had was about exclusivity, and I was like, I'm not here to lock you in to be a promotional tool for me.
0: Yay! I am
2: here to give you amazing a a regular stage to flourish because I believe in you as artists, and I want to create with this resident crew what i had in new york of people are going to start coming because you know they want to see the residents as well people know who are not just their friends they'll trust that if there's at least one of our residents on every night they're going to have a good time
0: and how do you curate that? So what are you looking for in as far as like building out your residence and or even just building out a night? Like what kind of DJs are I love that you're always looking for new people who've never played there, but also is there oh, such a an easy certain, thing
2: too. And that has been the most fun. And really the best the best business tool ever. You want you want people to show up at nine PM, put someone in there who's been dying to play there for yeah, five years and, and their every single person will not miss that. Yeah. yeah. Um
0: so who catches your eye? You don't have to name any names specifically, but maybe a certain vibe or or style. or. Well, our
2: So our residents, we have uh, Ayers, uh, which is a duo, f- uh, and uh, Ill Dill, um, Chick Iverson, uh, Jada Raid and Frida K. Am I missing anyone? I think that's... That it. sounds right. Sorry if I miss anyone. It's hard <laughs> to remember all these days. Um, and first and foremost, what I was looking for when putting together a resident crew was why they're in music and you can tell that each of these people has a passion for the music and a passion for something bigger than themselves and there are a lot of people who get into djing for the wrong reasons because it's it's the rock music of uh, you know the dj's the new rock star and mm-hmm. Even when people think they're in it for the right reasons, you can see a lot of the, the actions show otherwise. And they, the focus isn't on the music. The focus is on the gigs. The focus is on the clout. The focus is on that stuff. Everyone that we've brought on as a resident for Field Trip, the music matters most to them. And they're all really unique in what they do. You, you know, It's not just straight tech house bangers or you know, predictable, anything like they're all very talented and very driven. And that's what I'm looking for. It's not about finding residents who can bring the amount of people. I don't care about that. We're bringing the crowds already. We don't need them for that.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That early on was ingrained so hard into me. You got to have a big guest list. Yeah. Yeah. That's all that matters. Like I even, when I, when I sent my guest list in for Thursday, like, Gave myself a little pat on the back because I brought a decent amount of people, and in my brain, that was the thing to do. If someone sees that you have a big guest list and a decent percentage of them show up, there's a high likelihood you'll get booked back. Right. And that was my key: is that I had a crew that was always willing to support me.
2: I don't give a shit how many people you brought to that party. That's not going to affect whether I bring you back. Yeah. I mean, it helps. It helps me in the argument when I have to convince other people that i want to bring certain locals back or not bring certain locals back uh but that's definitely not the focus see but those are
1: those the things that are ingrained Mm it's the way things are and those are the wings i guess that you ruffled the Mm -hmm. feathers whatever that you ruffled when you came in here um was that there was kind of a way things were and it feels like things are a bit different now um it felt like there was Um, key players, you said, stand on the shoulders of giants, but at times it felt like if this giant says you're worth it, then you are. And then for that time being, you know, unless you screw things up somehow, like you're pretty much set. And that was me at foundation for a while. I had someone who was like, you, I like you, you bring a good crowd. You're good. Um, and then I got pigeonholed. Right. And then I had to rebrand and change and go through a bunch of shit in my life to be like, okay, now I'm. Why am I this doing this? Why am I here?
0: Yeah, I think that was a big part of it. Is he had to regroup and he had to find his love and passion for it again in a different way. Without you became a cog pick. in a machine mm-hmm. instead yeah. of an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure.
1: And but that's what's that's always been tough is seeing. I don't know. Some of it's like an ego perspective, but seeing other DJs that you're like they in some ways don't feel like they have that energy and that like drive for it. And it feels like a guest list. Can I be backstage? Who do I know I'm important? And it felt like too many of those DJs, in my opinion, were getting the regular time slots at certain places. And they kind of had this stranglehold on where they were. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's been really cool seeing that totally it's flipped on its head. Such a The amount a big of shift. people that yeah. you guys have had through Noise Complaint and watching you all the time booking new people, brand new people for the 9 so p.m. Cool. slot at Field Trip. Like, it's been really cool watching this utter shift in the scene and allowing this new talent to spread their wings and fly. Um, and even if they don't fly, they got a chance to fly. Yeah. I like a lot of people just never got a chance.
2: That's the thing, too, is I I realized that there were, you know, for so many people, I think playing somewhere like Q is something so unattainable, you know, like an end goal. It doesn't need to be. There's Mm -hmm. so many nights. There's so many opportunities. You just got to realize they're there.
0: Yeah. Can I take it way back really quick? Please, let's do I love it. talking about all this current day business stuff because I think it's fascinating. But I want to know more about you. And so you said you were a metalhead in high school, but yeah. can you go back even further? I want to know Ooh. what kind of kid you were, and I want to know like what you were into. We know you're reading, but I want to like visualize you as this little, I'm assuming feisty kid. Oh yeah. Um, okay, so so give me give me the love. So
2: I spent most of my life. I feel like. Growing up in front of a computer, hmm. uh home life was very difficult my My parents divorced when I was two. Uh, I live with my mom and uh, I don't even know where to even start or how to even give cliff notes of it, but uh basically spent a lot of my time teaching myself how to live life in front of a computer literally like. Googling, well, not Googling, this was AOL, chat room AOL days. Like, I didn't have anyone to ask about the birds and the bees or any of that fun stuff, so I sp- asked the internet, spent a lot of time doing that. Um, video games, I had a really bad video game addiction that I actually, when I moved to New York City, I brought i didn't bring my gaming uh, pc i didn't bring any of my consoles i quit cold turkey because i knew if i wanted to actually do something with music i had to leave it behind but there was a point when i was playing computer games 12
0: yeah we don't want to know what games quake
2: half-life uh team fortress when it was still a mod uh counter-strike when it was still a mod for half-life um i actually used to play on this service called heat.net and I have still never met anyone in person who knows what it is. And sometimes I wonder if I've made it up. But it, it was <laughs> it was it was a uh, a gaming service like predated steam, predated all this stuff where you could actually earn uh, their currency called degrees. It was heat.net. Uh, and be able to buy games and other stuff by playing games. Hmm. And like I played enough games that I got the entire Half Life series like box set. Which to me, as a kid who didn't have any income, being able to get new video games by playing video games is the coolest freaking thing in the world. How old are you? Um, when I first started getting into my gaming addiction, it was probably ten or eleven. Well, so when you got like Half Life. The full box set then you were playing on Probably Heat.net? Probably like 12, okay. somewhere around there. And then I was playing uh, this RPG called Kingdom of Drakkar for about huh. 10 years.
0: Like Drakkar Noir? Yeah. Spelled
2: the same, yes, okay. but wondering. less smelly or, or or more if it had been a long <laughs> session just in a different way. Uh, but yeah, I spent a very, very long time playing a, a game that was like relatively small user base. Like you think of RPGs, you think of like World of Warcraft with millions of players. But those are MMORPGs. Yeah, are yeah, well... This was a very, very small RPG and at its height probably, you know, had a thousand concurrent players, but we were all really dedicated. And I realized, you know, in retrospect, it was an escape from life, reality and all that. For sure.
1: Was it
2: it like PVP or was it basically? More dungeon exploration, leveling up. Uh, You know, there could be PVP, but that was not really the focus at all. Uh, Questing, you know, guilds all that fun stuff so basically just like early world of warcraft yeah (laughs) look at her face she she knows i'm a super nerd but she doesn't quite know the full extent of it when i
0: get glimpses into his nerd life which uh he he abandoned really before me when i see those moments i'm like oh wow (laughs) yeah wow yeah yeah Yeah. gamer but my son is 15 and he's deep in it and actually my daughter is too at 19 they're both gamers so. I,
1: I grew up on consoles so mm. console was my life my dad worked for Microsoft and okay, um, so I grew up with like Super Nintendo and then Dreamcast and then Xbox I was like one of the first people on Xbox Live and so you used to play Counter-Strike and Xbox and I was a huge Halo kid um, but yeah, mine was very much more console-based. I always knew of the PC Master Ace, Man. and I always understood it. But... House, mouse and keyboard. like. And I played <laughs> World son, of Warcraft for about a year, PC. maybe a little over a year. Um, so I definitely got pieces of the mouse and keyboard. Um, it just wasn't my medium. Just my yeah. brain worked yeah. with tracking. Yeah. And I know it's not nearly as uh, precise and the craziness that you can do with it, but for me, it just... I don't know. In high school I was, I was addicted to stuff like Battlefield, Battlefield
2: 1942, Battlefield 2, all those uh, shooting games. I actually had like wireless joystick for when I'd be flying planes. Uh so Battlefield 2 came out the day I graduated high school and by the end of that summer I was ranked in the top 100 players in the world wow. <laughs> before I entered college. <laughs> Uh, much to the chagrin of my girlfriend at the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that one, right? My <laughs> freshman year of
2: college, Halo yeah, 3 you, came you out. You think I use up all my time now? Oh, yeah. You should have... <laughs> if I
1: if I even started playing video games again, it, oh, my it's game over. Cur- or just at <laughs> the beginning. Or game on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, my freshman year of college, right at the beginning of freshman year, Halo 3 came out. Ooh. And me and all my friends were on a crew for Halo 2, and that was our game. And we all met through Halo, and we played... Every single so like basically every Friday, the whole crew would come over to my house, we would all land up and we would go play competitively. Um, And then Saturday was the day with my girlfriend, because it was like I had to (laughs) dedicate an entire day because Friday, we would start playing at 4pm after school and we would play until 4am and just session. Yeah.
0: That's insane. Like I can't even
1: I would have straight 18 hour sessions by myself.
0: Wow. I had a
2: mini fridge next to my desk that was literally only filled with two liters of Nesquik. Because Nesquik. <laughs> I mean Yeah. It, you could go for a while without eating because it was mm. so thick. Yeah. Funny. My <laughs> dream. I, re- I remember sorry, one no, I remember yeah. one time vividly that I've been playing for so long, and this is when I lived at the upstairs level of my house, and I ordered pizza. And when the pizza, like when the doorbell rang, I jumped up out of my desk, ran to the uh, stairs, and I've been sitting for so long, that I blacked out for a half second, fell down the stairs, smashed <laughs> right into the front door. Oh no! Yeah, or the, the one, here. or the one time that I ordered pizza, and this one I feel like is even better. These are all I, pizza stories. I, I, yeah, Well, Pizza and Nesquik <laughs> yeah. is basically Video how games. I live my life. What pizza company? Uh a pizza hut stuff okay. crossed. Come okay. on. Okay. okay. Especially back then. Was it done? But I was a dumb this time <laughs> I had been up for probably like twenty seven hours playing video games. What? And the doorbell rang and my wallet was on my bed. Jumped on my bed, grabbed my wallet, and fell asleep. <laughs> I'm not kidding at all. I really wish I was. Wow. I really wish I Your was. Your
0: body just shut down.
2: Yep. And then I woke up and I didn't have pizza.
0: Oh.
2: <laughs> that was the worst part of it. You're like, did I dream like, of the do, pizza? I'm like, do I order from them again? Nope. I I didn't order from that
1: store for a few months. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, showed them.
1: I always dreamed of being sponsored by Balls Energy Drinks. Did you drink Balls. Yeah. That's Did you uh, ever Drink Balls. It was, it was, a, just it was a, a blue weird bottle. Statement. Yeah. It was a blue glass bottle with all these like little ridges. Okay. So it was like uh-huh. a bunch of like think, like think geek. half balls yeah. yeah think geek was the shit yeah now it's just the <laughs> just, nerd version of hop topic yeah. it's really bad <laughs> that so it's great
0: though do you ever like dabble do you ever go back into the game world at all no nothing not even on your phone there isn't like a well actually so
2: for a long time in uh in new york so i'm i'm addicted to uh minesweeper i don't really play it much anymore but i loved playing it as a kid and i learned the strategy of it and i it was uh it was a routine of mine on the train every week to basement saturdays i would start playing minesweeper and if I couldn't clear, if I couldn't clear beginner in like under 30 seconds, I needed to clear my head more. Yeah. I couldn't, if I couldn't win intermediate, I really needed to fucking get my shit together because those, or those are cake, really. But I use it as a kind of a meditative thing. Yeah. Um, but I haven't done that in a while because there are no good Minesweeper apps for Android.
3: <laughs> oh. It's,
2: it's a very dependent on the mechanism of how you switch over and flag mines and all that. Mm-hmm. And there's just, at least the last time I checked, there was nothing good. But uh, there was this game called um, uh, Pixel Dungeon, I think it was, or Shattered Pixel Dungeon was a modded version of it that I pl- I still pick up every now and then just because it's a, uh, an easy one to play. But... Gaming is hard to just jump back into.
0: Yeah, I noticed that with him. He's yeah,
2: especially with how PCs change. Like, yeah. well, and I don't even have a PC anymore. I have a Mac. I have a Mac I have a and I have a laptop. So it's I don't I can't game on my on my laptop at all. And I'd have to buy a console. Yeah, I can she she's got a fancy <laughs> new laptop I can play on. But
0: again, like, do you want to open that Pandora's box? Probably not at this point. No. Yeah.
2: I've thought about getting uh, what's the newest version of Nintendo's handheld console? Switch. Switch. <laughs> Switch. I've thought of. Ab- My son it's, has it. Can't even remember the name of it. So the yeah. girl we had
1: on yesterday works for Nintendo. Oh really? Yeah. And then okay. We were talking about it and she was like, "The new Zelda is just so much fun." Yeah. And her son has the Switch and so Zelda. So we're gonna so go yesterday try it we were out. Like, All right, we gotta go play this. Yeah, I, I the
2: the Switch has really uh, intrigued me, but it is it's. It's an it's an addiction yeah and I find it best to let it stay where it is
0: so do you have any healthy addictions right now as an adult that you you've taken out alcohol although you said it was more of a just a lifestyle thing rather than an yeah. addiction but you seem to have a bit of an addictive personality is there any Absolutely. ways that you've like fueled it into a positive route
2: I think with being addicted to creating projects that promote positivity and gratitude in some way i'm like literally always trying to find some way to do that Mm -hmm. to a fault i'm noticing there Mm -hmm. is too much as we were saying before you can give too much and not recharge and not do stuff for yourself and that's definitely been something i need to refocus um in terms of other addictions and or just even hobbies really that's that's something that as I'm gaining back my free time that I've willingly given away, I need to revisit. You know, Maybe I can reintroduce gaming back in in some way.
0: So a lot of people that we've had on this podcast have voiced things they want to manifest in their life. And a lot of times they're career related. Uh, but I actually encourage you to maybe put out into our world of podcasting um, <laughs> something that you want to manifest that's not career related. Do you have anything that comes to mind?
2: Easy. I want to become more connected with the girl sitting right next to me.
0: Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. I think that made her smile too. Yeah. And you have to have time to do that. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: My entire, so, you know, a lot of people set intentions going into Burning Man. I had one singular intention going into Burning Man and that was to figure out how to be a better boyfriend and a better lover, a better, and more empathetic and caring and, all those good things. Did and you find
1: that on the playa?
2: Yes. I I mean, I think it's evident in the fact that I need to cut back, slow down, and refocus on what matters. That was, that was one of the biggest things. I, I have no free time or attention or, you know, I'm throwing myself out of whack by having so much on my plate that I'm just not not being the person she deserves.
0: And you deserve her. Yeah. So reminding yourself that you're totally worthy of having a fantastic relationship with a beautiful, glowing, sparkling being right next to you. Unicorn, I
3: would say.
0: She's totally (laughs) a unicorn. I agree with that. But you deserve that. And so allowing yourself the time and the space to enjoy it and to... Yeah, why, it, why
2: do
1: I need more projects? What do I need more of? You don't. You don't well, need it more. starts <laughs> out as this almost like feeling of like feast or famine. Yeah. And yep. she loves that feeling. That's phrase, a really good way like, of putting it. If you're stuck yeah. in this, like, I've got to throw parties in order to survive. Yeah. And if I want to stay relevant and I want to continue to be a part of this and I need to do more. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. Well, and the thing is,
2: though, that it, like at first, like, especially coming back from the burn and realizing how. Much I've really just kind of overextended myself and and done this to myself. I was like, man, I've always just too much, too much, too much. But I wouldn't be able to be at this point if I didn't do that. And that was kind of the point of my the post that I made last night is that in the whole you know Seth Godin's whole point with that is hurry can be uh it can be a version of your best self and it can be something you turn on and off instead of being a crutch. Because when you think most people being in a hurry. It's, you know, trying to get things done last minute, you know, dropping the ball here and there. And it's not usually a connotation of a positive thing, Mm -hmm. but it can be. And I just forgot to turn it off or, you know, didn't step back enough to realize that I could turn it off. But now I can and I don't have to play everything that's given to me. I don't have to keep seeking out more gigs because I'm financially stable without them. and that. That hasn't been the case ever in my career
0: Well, and it's not a race like you want to yeah. have a long and thriving career and that means you have to slow down and you yeah. have to pace yourself and same thing with your relationship it can't be all on and then off right like oh well, we have this moment of free time so i'm gonna give you tons of attention and we're gonna have this great relationship for 36 hours and then boom like we're off in two different directions and we're focusing on our careers and um i was in single mom mode for a really long time and i've been self-employed for a really long time and so i've been i get it i've been in hustle mode and and i have to be because there's times where you know i might have i think it was one month it was in january i remember this vividly actually it was in january where i lost seven clients Oof. in one week and some of them were like two three day awake private clients and it was because their company was moving locations from the east side to seattle and i had a bunch of people that all worked for the same company that would come and and were my private clients and they all put in notice because they weren't going to be able to work it in with having to drive to Seattle. And I was like, oh, shit. oh my <laughs> God, like, what am I going to do? And I freaked out and it was just like, hustle, hustle, hustle. And then all of a sudden, two months later, I was three times busier because I like had to overcompensate. And yeah. then I was like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> like How do I <laughs> reset this? And, and I think the first thing that went in my life was any relationship I was in at the time was just not gonna happen it wasn't gonna work I was so always in this like I have to somehow prove something or be better or be the best version of myself ever and and is that really no yeah and (laughs) I think it it
2: does come from like for me too it definitely came from an insecurity and a lack of confidence I to some degree felt like who I am was what I did or what I created not who I was now it's time for less doing more being
0: That's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Yeah. Not to
2: say that I just like, I'm not just like perfectly woke and know what the fuck to do now. I have no (laughs) idea what the fuck to do and I'm going to fail a lot and I'm going to fuck this up and I'm not going to be as present as I want to be, but I'm learning to go easy on myself when I do fail because that's the only way you learn.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Have you guys ever played with any acro? no yoga we need to set up a date um i think like that was a big game changer for us relationship wise was um not the fancy poses. I know that's what people think of acro mm-hmm. yoga, but the um, learning to support each other, to communicate what we need, to lean on each other, to do something that's a little scary as a duo. Mm-hmm. Um, it was huge for our relationship. And so if you're in this time where you're like making more time for each other, it's a really fun thing that you can learn and do together that will bring you really, really close. And there's going to be times where you're going to get really- close
2: when she like falls when on When she me. falls <laughs> on you and you laugh, right? And there's-, yeah. and there's
0: there's actual physical times where where you get really frustrated with each other, and yeah. and, it, and it'll bring up some challenges in your relationship. And other times, some where other you're shit we're really holding
2: down. It's like, wait, 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 is that about this or is that yeah. about something else that we need? I to I think discuss? One, like
0: one thing he really <laughs> discovered when we started practicing was um, just the kindness in the way you ask for what you need, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, "Oh, this isn't working because you're doing it this way," it was more of a okay. How can I let her know what I need and how can we change roles? And so a lot of people see pictures with him as the base, the one on the ground and me up in the air. Mm-hmm. But in our actual practice, we change it up because if we're trying to work through something new that's challenging and we're getting frustrated, frustrated with each other, if I'm the base and he has to get up on my feet and he gets to experience what? i was just dealing with Uh then it's so much easier for him to communicate what he needs and oh okay well now that i'm up here where you were and i can see that this is scary now i now i can better communicate what i need so we have to set up a double date absolutely really fun
2: uh speaking of which we will be at your
1: live float meditation on tuesday that'll be me leading yeah yeah he's super excited for that and then at dirty bird will you be at dirty bird with him
3: for his set,
1: yeah. Okay,
2: yeah, she's, she need... gets it on Sunday. She's gonna be
3: on
1: tour. Okay, on well, I think our workshop is that what we're doing? Is the acro workshop on Sunday?
0: I don't. We're doing an we're, acro class, and then I think we're also doing a workshop. I don't know what. will try whole to figure out is the difference
2: yet. between an acro class and acro
1: workshop.
0: The class is shorter, and it's a, a little bit more um, individual practice with some community building. And then the workshop will be more like skill set.
1: Okay, if gotcha. that makes sense. Yeah. So there's a possibility that you might both be there for that to play a little bit, but
0: we won't require on
1: that. But I want to bring up. Uh, okay. I want to take you down a, a little bit of a route and I'll bring it back. Sure. But did you play any sports when you were growing up? Uh,
2: I played a little bit of basketball when I was in like like elementary school.
1: But after that, no. So I'm going to use a sports analogy that might kind of flop for that re- reason. But uh, I have a knowledge of sports. <laughs> cool. So the, it's it's super basic one. So okay. it's not like it's going to flop. But like uh, whatever sport you take, like we'll say basketball, catching the ball before you shoot. You catch, you plant, you shoot. You're not mm. going to catch it and immediately try to shoot or right. football. You can't try to catch the ball while running and not looking at it. You got to catch the ball, then turn and run. Right. Like There's that piece to it. Um, and what I always struggled with was looking too far to the future.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, I'm about to start going the other way or I'm about to do this thing because I'm looking towards the future of what's to come. Um, and But the difference is being super present in the moment. And so to tie it back in, that's where the acro has been helpful because you're present in what's going on now. Because you're not thinking about what do I want to go to next. You're like, no, I want to be in this now. Because he'll drop me. And that's what's been We've got to
0: be right where we are together, breathing and focused in this moment. We can't be worrying about what happened yeah. 2 minutes ago or where we're going. It has it's, to be right now.
2: It's difficult, but I feel like that's the key to most things.
1: And to yeah. take it back further to what we we're talking about, it's like, yeah, it's 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 living in the moment, and that's what she's been super good and helpful with me at is understanding that this time right now is the important one. So if you're always trying to hustle to throw the next show or book the next big artist or have the next big event, you're not focused on right now. And you yeah. don't have a chance to be grateful for what just happened. You don't have a chance to digest, to experience, to understand, to learn. It's easy, to, like the, the other day, actually, I think it was earlier today at Q, we were talking about a show
2: and I thought it was much closer than it was because we're always like we're booking things in December right now. And for a minute, I thought it was October. <laughs> mm-hmm. Literally literally living not in today at all. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's tough. It's tough, especially in this industry or anywhere you're planning that far out. Because there
0: ahead. is some stuff, right, that you have to plan out. And we yeah. have some festivals already booked for next summer. And yeah. it's, like, really weird to book something next August when you're like, what? <laughs> but be, uh, a, no be in the future when you need to make those decisions,
2: yeah. but
1: then come back.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, and, and that's hard that, to turn it off. Sometimes. And that's where that fuck
1: it day can be super yeah. helpful. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it gives you that day to just settle down, to reflect. Reflect on what happened to really get a time to let your brain compile it all understand it
2: one thing that I one thing that I realized at Burning Man was that I need to be more intentional with every decision I make just in general like from the small ones of what I do when I wake up in the morning and you know instead of just going into autopilot and all of a sudden I just lost a half hour because I'm just fucking around like wasting my own time To, you know, the bigger decisions of what you're trying to do with your life and career. It's so easy for us to get caught on autopilot and not think about the things we're doing and not stop and reflect on what we have done and look at it from an unbiased standpoint and being able to reflect on them and then be more intentional with the decisions moving forward, I think is really uh, a key important thing.
0: Well, and really recognizing in the intention as you move forward of what am I making this choice out of fear? Am I making this choice out of love? Am I, you know, why am I making the choice that I am? And and maybe if you recognize what the root of it is, maybe your opinion changes a little bit, yeah. but you have to t- slow down and breathe and meditate on it for a second and say, all right, if my maybe gut I reaction is this, right, then why, where is that coming from? Um, yeah, but you got to slow down and you got to breathe. Um, do you mind if I take this on a bit of a side route real quick? Yeah, go for it. There are some fantastic questions oh, yeah, on the book of questions. faces going oh, on Yeah, here. I and saw I, you
2: post that right before we got I started. I did, <laughs> and
0: I wasn't sure if anyone's going to see it, but there's some good ones compiling. And so I definitely want to ask a few. So when I ask the question, do you want to know who it came from or do you not really care on that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to go kind of out of order. Uh, Virginia asks: Do you set boundaries on creative projects for yourself or your clients, and if so, what techniques do you use for that? It
2: would be it's it's hard to define what a boundary would be, um, or who a client would be, because I feel like <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in in many instances I'm my own client with a lot of these creative projects. Like I'm given, you know, with. Like, for example, like the Dirty Bird mix, like they just asked me that, but then I give myself all these parameters to do it with and maybe I haven't set enough boundaries. I just kind of go balls to the wall with every opportunity given. And that's something I'm trying to reel in.
0: Yeah, I would say if there isn't a quick thing in your head of saying, yeah, these are distinct boundaries I've set, then yeah, you probably need to set something.
3: Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there should be, I would say yeah. with the amount of yeah. um, collaborations and hiring and and different things that you do, you should definitely have a few in your back pocket that you know are like, this is this is this is my yeah. spot, yeah. And that's
2: that's one of the you know just tied into the whole realization of monopolizing my own time and mm-hmm. and you know I th- I think in a way too once I became uh, you know once I stopped drinking is that I my addictive personality just went for that and said just more and more and more some because you know drinking can for a lot of people be escape from thinking and i think i replaced that with working mm-hmm. just don't have to think because i'm too busy
0: yeah you don't give yourself the time to slow down kevin shinkle asks or i guess he first states <laughs> your positivity fucking radiates through the <laughs> events you put on as well as the love you put into your djing what is something in your daily life that you find contributes the most to preserving this mindset and vibe?
2: Ooh, that's a good one.
0: Mm-hmm. What fuels that positivity? Is it the dark? I mean, we've talked about the dark. You know what? Yeah. This is
2: something me and my sister have talked about because uh, my sister is on a similar route of trying to push positivity and change in the world. She teaches those spin classes, but she's become very much a leader to a lot of these people who attend the class as well, and she tries to become a role model in much the same way that I have too. And we we realize that a lot of it comes from the difficult times that we had as kids, and, and a lot of the stuff that we have been through, and a desire to help others who might be in those situations, who might be going through difficult things. And you know, sometimes a cheesy post on Facebook that says it's okay to not be okay is all someone needs yeah. to be a little more okay. And uh, one thing that has fueled it over the years is people reaching out and, and telling me how much it's meant to them. And it's not because I'm like, oh yeah, I'm doing so much good. It's realizing that this fucking this shit can change lives. This when people sh- are this- listening. Yeah. They're listening. yeah.
0: So it is not a waste of your breath. It's not a waste of your time to type those things out. If one person hears it exactly and yeah. they're listening, then, then it it's was really hard when
2: I first started making the shift pretty heavily towards the positivity because everyone's just gonna think it's bullshit. Yeah, and I still hear that a lot of things that people think it's bullshit. I was literally having a conversation with a friend at the burn, who told me that he hears from a lot of people that they think that it's that this all of this stuff that I do is just for me, trying to inflate my ego by having people be like, oh my God, look at what he's a good person wow. he is. And you know what? Those people are going to find a reason to hate me one way or another. Yeah. And I can't expend my energy focusing on trying to please them. But if 5,000 people think that and one person finds some peace or finds a way to start making progress in my
1: life, that's all that matters. Yeah. It's a nice reprieve to see that kind of information on a social media platform so that is yeah. so negativity. inundated with yeah. negativity. Yeah. That's it,
2: I've heard from a lot of people too, who are just like, they hate Facebook and yeah. they're like, Hey, I pop it up. I see one of your posts and it makes me feel a little better that there's hope in the world. And it's mm-hmm. like, I'll just, well,
1: it's great too, because the way Facebook's algorithm works <laughs> fucks us over in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine, but in its. You can have a group of followers or friends who will see nothing about you because of the changes that have happened over the last couple of years that have made it that they have to like re engage in order yeah. to see your information. Now, one of the things about getting new friends, which is kind of creepy at first, but you add someone as a friend and suddenly you're f- the first front page that you get to yeah. is filled with information from them. And it's this weird, like. Now I feel like I'm stalking you because I've <laughs> get, gotten so much information from you. And for the average person, it's like, oh, that was kind of annoying. I see a bunch of your posts. I'm not going to like yeah. them or engage because it's not really anything interesting. But you've made so many friends with so many people here because you're new and because you're throwing good shows, you're changing things, you're flipping shit on its head and you're spreading positivity that the first thing someone sees when they've friended you and opened up their Facebook is this positive post. And like, like, I like that. Maybe a little comment, like what happened in my week today? Okay, this happened now Facebook has created this like feedback loop of them engaging with it. And I think feedback loops are a super dangerous thing in our world yeah. at the moment. But the positivity, whether or, not, whether or not it even was genuine, and I 100% believe it's genuine, even if it wasn't, like you said, the, those people are still gaining this positive feedback loop that yeah. isn't pushing a certain political agenda. It's not pushing anything that has one side versus the other. It's literally just positivity.
2: And that's why, like, the focus of the Subset and the Instigators group. I love that I've literally never posted a single promotional thing in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's funny, back before Subset and the Instigators group, uh, back in the basement days, but back before all these, you know, a lot of artists have their, like, fan group now because it's easier to talk to your fans and engage with them in the groups versus the page, which is all paid. We had the Sur Squad, which... Originally stood for Subsets Illustrious Ragers, <laughs> yeah, and it started as a way for me to connect people who were coming because I was meeting people who were coming to Basement, traveling five plus hours to come to Basement, and I met all these amazing people, and I wanted to connect them so they could, you know, be friends and share common ideas, and then we it started becoming a way for us to push slightly more positive ideas of raging. Like, you can rage like a sir. Like, you can fucking rage. You can get down crazy a dubstep while still respecting the people around you. And, you know, back then, it wasn't about promoting myself. Subset and the instigators, literally zero promo in there. And I think it's important to keep that, at least for myself, as, like, a rule to promote myself as little as possible in those, so that it doesn't dilute the meaning of what we're trying to do with them. And like, you know, that group is ridiculous. And the, the amount of vulnerability that people have, the amount that people have shared in there is really, really
0: Ridiculous. It's I'm so beautiful... inspired right now because <laughs> I've canceled. I've like shut down and then reopened and then shut down and reopened our gravity lift business page. I can't mm-hmm. even tell you how many times because it feels like a waste of time. Nobody sees mine. it. Nobody sees it. And it's so frustrating, but we just need a group. We just need to make a group because we do have a lot of people who've gone through our trainings, who come to our classes, who yep. want to engage, and they're like, oh, and I don't And you can share all the post. auxiliary things yeah. that, that, and it that won't get make shut your down. brand.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I deleted my page. 10,000 10, plus followers on the subset Facebook page. And I said, I, I felt like it was something I had to do, not something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And the interaction on my personal page is that. Is, Way better than
0: yeah. Any, uh, we just use my personal page pretty much for everything. Like we and don't now personal really pages use... you can
1: follow. Yeah. yeah. Before you could only have your friends. Yeah. And you couldn't get over your five thousand mark of your friends, and so I had a lot of DJs that I knew in California that like hit their five thousand friend limit because they just think like think it's added four. everyone. Yeah. I
0: think it's five. Lower. It's five. But
1: it's like it's like four nine two oh, zero yeah. or something. It has some weird arbitrary number where it doesn't go over five. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's. I've seen that happen and then they have no way to engage anymore because yeah. they can't add new people but now you can just follow you can yeah. be friends but you can still follow what's happening
2: It's still so I hit that I hit that 5000 friend limit probably okay five years ago at yeah, least. I if always not have more. to
0: go through and delete. Um, it's it gotten to the point
2: for me now that I've gone back and I've deleted so many like random people and I've even started, you know, I find, find delete people that I don't really necessarily want to delete. Mm-hmm. But because I get really sick of that reaction when I meet new people and they're like, oh, Oh, you're too cool for me to friend. yeah
0: yeah i hate that <laughs> or i
2: just like i have 40 new friends who are my camp mates this is a solar society at the burn and it's like i i'm, I'm trying to find space and i am literally having trouble finding people to delete and it's just it's frustrating but yeah. it's it, it's hard to explain that as an issue to anyone because they just think you're bragging about right. having too many friends on facebook but i'm like clearly these people aren't all my friends, right. but they're people that I do care about and that care about me and you know, may care about the projects that I'm trying to do. And I think that personal connection of having, doing it through my personal page instead of an artist page has helped a lot because it's not trying to build a brand.
1: It's trying mm-hmm. to do stuff. Yeah. yeah, we are so interested in personal connection and social media really devolves that personal connection in so many yeah. ways. And so it's like, if it's devolved enough to be your personal page, it's devolved that much more to be just your fan page. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's a connection that's happening in ways that just becomes your promotional page. And it's like, what good does that do? I've never been comfortable with the concept of fans either. Mm-hmm. It, it creates this
2: dichotomy of I am this and you are that. I am the producer. You are the consumer. It, this, this almost implicit uh, hierarchy yeah, I really just don't fuck with. Mm-hmm. And I think I've I've put a lot of effort into not having fans but having friends and having family. And I have a lot of uh, DJ friends who get really lonely on the road and really don't like touring. But when I tour, I go I'm getting to see my friends. It's not just random airport to hotel to green. I don't stay in hotels ever pretty much. I stay at my friends' houses in literally every city and i get to reconnect with them catch up on their lives and it's like the show's a bonus but i'm getting paid to see my friends and mm-hmm. that's the best part about it and i think it's at that point now where like you know even if even if i didn't get any bigger than i am now i still get to travel somewhat consistently every year and you know even when dialing it back still getting to travel and see friends and getting paid and that has longevity because I don't need to stop doing that 30 years from now even. I can still pick up you know, a show or two a month because it's just us getting to go see our friends yeah. and getting paid to do that. And having fans is not the same way. And it doesn't give you the same creative freedom because they're locked into one product that you deliver. And if you're trying to sway from it, they're not interested in you. They're interested in your product my friends are interested in me and my journey as well as how like it relates to them and
1: yeah (laughs) i love that
0: you hear that (laughs) i'm talking to him on that because we just had this conversation and he gets hung up on what am i supposed to play and what do they think i should play and i'm like the people are coming to see you. They want you to play you. Whatever your week was, wherever you're at in your journey, express that through your music, and don't worry about the technicalities of it.
2: There like, definitely is a push and pull with it, yeah. and especially when you're at the level you're at, you you know if you know you opened up the the Dirty Bird show with Justin Jay. If you come in and you're playing like blazing techno i've been right. like all right yeah
3: <laughs> come on now
2: i know you've had a hard week but <laughs> not right now yeah um but f- being able to find your own voice in it and make sure that you what you that your passion and your voice comes through in it that's that's what connects with people that's what matters and like for example frida who's closing tomorrow night after uh, eli and Fur she asked me, uh, you know, should I play my normal stuff? Should I play more like deep house melodic stuff? I'm used to She literally said I'm used to promoters telling me what to play. And I told her, okay, what I would do is I would find a middle ground between my normal thing, whatever my normal thing is, and what I'm supposed to play, but not because it's what I'm supposed to play, but because it presents a challenge for me, especially like if I was closing for Eli and Fur, I don't really play that super melodic deep house stuff. And I would be doing it more so because it's a way for me to grow as a DJ. Like, all right, how can I find my version of this? And this comes back to me trying to be a contextual DJ and trying to be able to adapt to any situation while still putting my voice out there. And... I told her, that's what I would do, but do whatever the fuck you want. Like like in this situation, especially since you're closing, do whatever the fuck you want. She came back to me like a day later and she's like, I'm really excited uh, for you to hear this. I'm about to play a set of stuff that I would never have played. And she's really, really pumped. And that passion is gonna come through in the set. And for the people who stay for her closing set and find out she's a resident, or the people who don't know her, they're going to be that more intrigued to come back so in a way promoting that artistic side and promoting the uh self-expression is also
1: good business practice Mm -hmm. fair enough yeah she's always kind of trying to get me to let more of myself shine and i for that justin jay show i definitely stuck more to the attempting to fit a specific niche style because I expected him to play one way. Yeah. And then he just fucking came (laughs) out sweet. He was like, what is going on? I had zero idea he was gonna just like blow away like that. And it was so good. I loved it. But I totally would have played a different set. And so that's kind of my overthinking, overanalyzing brain. Do you and that's yeah. what I need to do more. And of. also,
2: like, what I what I wanted, like, and I think when we were talking about that as Night Audit was, you know, crushing it on that opening set is you had planned to be even, like, chiller than that. And I was like, you know, if you want to, if that's where you want to go with it, you can still go there because we can start up here. We can go down a bit. We can go up. Like, it doesn't need to be just a yeah. linear progression or chill until justin you know we can
1: go up and down we can have a fucking journey with it yeah the justin one i really tried to challenge myself like you said but i almost challenged myself too hard i tried to rely too much on like technical skills to try to like make some like interesting stuff happen right but then i got caught up in too many other things <laughs> and it just didn't flow the way like i wanted to and then it was like i had to like pull my passion back out by the end of it then i was like all right no these are the songs i want to listen to this yeah. is great like i had a couple songs that pulled up like what is it error 8805 or whatever that like it just like doesn't read your file format yeah i was like no i wanted to play this track
2: you know what was really funny at the burn when I was doing this, I was doing this sunrise, uh, renegade pizza party at the trash fence to nice. cheer on the ultra marathon. Coolest party I played. <laughs> probably. Um, I played, I can't remember exactly what the track was, but I know it was, a, Oh, always a remix of the doors and, what had happened is I went to select another track, and you know sometimes, like as you're going to press it in, you turn it once, and so you select the track below it. Mm-hmm. And you know usually, especially in like a setting of like queue or something where it's like a set, I would have gone back and made sure I selected the right track. I selected the wrong track, and especially in that setting. I was like, that track just told me it was it's time for it to be played. Yeah. <laughs> like 15 minutes later, this girl came up and she was like. That is my favorite song, like the song that it remixed. And it it like had some really uh, deep, meaningful connection with her and like a family member or something. And she was just like thanking me so much for playing I'm like, I didn't choose it. Like <laughs> You did. Yeah. You brought
0: that up. <laughs> wow. And it's
2: like sometimes you have to look for the signs that are there that seem like mistakes but aren't.
0: Mm.
1: Okay. I like that. Yeah, i'm really excited for the uh the halloween show with noise Ooh, complaint oh, yeah it's gonna be so dumb. john and i played a show at uh timber room mm-hmm. and we had fun oh we my had gosh. a good night <laughs> he was remind so me to show hilarious. you the video after. Oh, Lord. <laughs> there's, there's a
0: video they had a lot of fun Oh, uh, it was
1: so great speaking
0: and I- of john yeah Go ahead and finish what you were going <laughs> to say. I, just, I guess a, John has a question for There's a for question on here, here from yeah? Mr. Katz that so we yeah. definitely have to
1: get to. It, but go ahead and I I was talking with him. And so I asked him a question. I was like, what do you expect me to play for this show? And he was like, dude, think of it like a festival. Yeah. He was like, go into it. Play whatever you want. Dude, yeah. He's like, don't bang out at like 128 crazy, like you said, or like driving techno or yeah. something. But it like it gave me that reign to be like, OK, I can have fun with this and I can showcase me. And this conversation further solidified the fact that I need to let me shine. And I think that would be a good thing for listeners to hear, for other DJs who are attempting to get out there in the scene. It's like, like you said, know the rules so that you can break them, but still like at all costs, let yourself shine as much as possible. choir
2: is made up of a lot of different sounding voices. Mm -hmm. So put yours out there so our choir can be more beautiful. If everyone has the same tone, same voice, Gonna sound weird.
3: Yeah. I
2: there's think there's I think there's a lot of danger in in shows just being just like this one very specific subgenre for the entire night. And it's like
0: totally agree. Yeah. So boring.
2: Yeah. Tech Tech House is, is one Tech House and Heavy Dubstep are, are two of the, the worst offenders with that for sure. And it's like both lose their power after three straight hours of it. That's so true. Mm-hmm so what, what do we got from cats yeah so there's
0: this guy named jonathan Katz <laughs> and he asks if you could be any animal combination example cat dog horse dolphin lizard lion what would it be and why
2: hmm that's a good one uh half would definitely be a lobster
0: Ooh. oh which half the bottom half or the top the half?
1: top half Or do you want the tail or the claws? claws?
2: Definitely gotta have the claws. Definitely have to have claws. But also lobsters are essentially immortal, right? Yeah. (laughs) And they stay fertile throughout that Uh time. So the older
1: they get, like the more fertile they get, I think. Yeah. So come. Why do you both
0: have this weird lobster knowledge? Did you know this? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you guys are both red yeah. Yeah. that's his addiction, Reddit. (laughs)
2: there we go yeah that's, that's yours yeah. too yeah yeah you
0: two are twins
2: well, well it's like Just it's like 10 in, years
0: apart Twin. what
2: do you know well, oh no one, one year apart, apart. Yeah. <laughs> i keep
0: thinking you're my age you're right you're only one year apart even more oh my gosh yeah.
2: um so lobster and oof that's a good one hmm I don't know why Ardvark is coming to mind, but I'm just gonna like it's just on stream of consciousness Ardvark. I don't know why. Okay,
0: we were just but talking imagine an Artvark lobster, right? Yeah. Like, like fun
2: like, isn't hard when you've got a library card. Oh my
0: god. <laughs> <laughs> he's Arthur, so I'm literally envisioning you like this little outfit that he wears, and he's so cute with this little tie and this like collar. Or shirt. him
1: wearing headphones. Yeah. yeah. His ears are sticking up. Yeah. yeah. on like, the side of his bruh. head. You don't hear it through your cheeks.
0: <laughs> I wish I was good at Photoshop right now because I'm totally whipping that out tonight, like some sort of an Arthur with lobster claws, and then your face somehow mushed in there. Uh, I think I might. He
2: wasn't an ardbark though.
0: He's not yeah. an ardbark. Uh,
2: yeah, he, Arthur the ardbark. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Never no yeah.
0: mind.
2: Totally an, an eater. Yeah. Or n- er, uh, n- maybe an
0: p- an no, because
2: there's the one anteater who has the f- long uh, snout. His uh, friend, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, no, yeah. I
0: don't know. But we just decided either yeah. way.
2: Well, Aardvark's, yeah, definitely have like the super long nose. He's got like the flat face. True. Not that I would know an Aardvark. Like, I don't know many Aardvark's. <laughs> I knew one back in high school, but we lost touch a long time
0: uh-huh. ago. <laughs> Your friendship. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, what do you got going on? What do you want to promote? What do you want to tell the people about?
2: Oh, that's a tough one. Um well, we got Field Trip, if you haven't heard of it. Field Trip is our weekly Thursday at uh, at Q. Uh, we do every genre under the sun. Uh, we've got, you know, Eli and Fur this week. We've got Truth and Ohm Unit the week after, Proc and Fitch, Left Wing Cody. Uh, man, part of me wants to When when is when are you is this air? Probably,
0: Probably next week. It'll air yeah. next okay.
2: Thursday. Yeah. Next so Thursday. You won't have Ellie and Fur on there. Well, no, I'm just I'm yeah. trying to figure out if I can drop some oh. some uh, lineups that oh, haven't I come out we yet. We can
0: push it out as far as you want, actually. I mean, but also, we're recording three this week. But also, so.
2: you know, I think this one will be out by next week, but even if it's not, I don't think it is a big deal if this is the way that people find out. But we have Ski Tour and Lazy Surf Orchestra, which if you don't know Lazy Surf Orchestra, that's uh, Dunks from the Funk Hunters side project. Oh. So we have them coming November 8th, and that's going to be a party we're doing with Mind at Large and hopefully, looking likely that we'll be doing is a, a fundraiser for my Burning Man Camp Solar Society as well. Very so cool. I'm trying to bring some of those burn vibes to Q. Um, field trip really incredible. I it's it's turned into much more than I could have expected this quick. Uh, really beautiful community, and as we've discussed many times on here, we got noise complaint, which is monthly at work and also rotating random parties around uh, around the city and also we will be hosting our own stage on noise or on Holy Ship 12.0.
0: Wow.
2: Uh, which on Subset and the Instigators. So that started as an idea. Uh, I think it may have been Jason Wu who came up with, he just said something about Subset and the Instigators and we decided to turn this into a thing. So Subset and the Instigators is booked on Holy Ship. For both Holy Ships. What? And so I wrote uh, a four-page proposal that has like an eight-person team. We're going to be taking over most of the activities on Holy Ship.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
2: So we're going to be doing stuff like EDM karaoke, a talent show. Uh, I'm really pushing for us to do a photography workshop, but a mobile photography workshop. It's called something like Use What You Got because mm-hmm. people are always like people always ask me a like
0: nice camera yeah. yeah or
2: like dude your phone because I, I i know i take great photos of my phone i only take photos of my phone and it's about like learning the technology you already have instead of always trying to find something better to just framing timing editing lighting, lighting like that's all yeah. that matters really and uh, we're going to be doing all sorts of activities on holy ship that my intention is for the bulk of them to have some deeper message like that, like, you you know, it's a mobile photography workshop, but really the message we're trying to push is look at what you have already. What are you thankful for? What do you have instead of always trying to find more, the talent shows, you know, the m- message of that is gonna be everyone's talented, everyone has something to share and trying to get people out of their shell a bit. Uh, that I'm really excited about. I it's terrifying it it was a huge huge pitch and i couldn't be more grateful that they're entrusting us with that because it's a lot it's a lot to give away it's a lot of responsibility to put on people that are in ways you know yeah i have proven myself to hard cloud nine and all them but in this is taking on a lot of things that they don't know for sure we can do so that's going to be a lot of the focus that we have and uh Other than that, Dirty Bird Campout, Jam Cruise, a lot of really unique, uh, versatile festivals that I'm excited for.
0: And some time with your boo.
2: And a lot of time with her, yeah.
0: (laughs) So I want to wrap this up with one last question, which is what are you thankful for?
2: This moment and these people. It's an easy one.
0: I like that. I'm thankful for you.
2: (laughs) Same. Yeah, I'm thankful for everyone in this room.
1: (laughs) Even Blue absolutely <laughs> oh yeah oh he heard that <laughs> as he stretches real long <laughs> he's like oh this me six foot long body <laughs>
0: well thank you so much for taking the time and your absolutely. busy schedule to hang out with us thanks and for having me i would love to chat more off of this recording yeah, and um agree. share food and hang out time with you both
1: yeah figure out what the bananas are right <laughs> <in there. laughs> All right. Thanks again so much. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Gravity Lift Podcast with Jordan and Antonella. If you like our show and want to find more, check out our website at gravitylift.space.
0: And when you get a sec, please rate and review us on iTunes to help us spread these vibes far and wide.